You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. And it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show's for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Tonight, Josh will be played by Dan from the 4x4 podcast, and uh, Chris Patterson will be uh, here subbing in for Wendy uh, from uh, Patterson Media. Thanks, guys, for, for joining us. Hi, I'm Tammy, and this past weekend, I was wheeling in the rain, topless and doorless. Oh, no. And I'm Dan, and I'm outside. <laughs> hey, this is Chris, and my favorite Jeep of all time is the classic Jeepster Commando. Oh, very nice. My name is Tony, and I hate selling vehicles on Facebook Marketplace. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. All right, now, the new three-row Jeep we reported not we, but, you know, Josh, reported, uh, may not be the new Wagoneer. It was recently reported that the possible new Jeep Wagoneer would have three-row seating. Well, the seating is still there, but it looks like it will instead be the Grand Cherokee redesign. It's not the first time Jeep or a would-be Jeep owner has complained about having the seats necessary for the entire family. It's possible that many a man or woman has used this as an excuse to get away from their demanding brood for some time alone. We may not have long to wait to see what the Grand Cherokee and Wagoneer has to offer. Uh, they're speculated for information to be released later this year. You can head over to Autoblog for some information on this story. Speaking of a sizable brood, you uh, you kind of had this problem with your uh, Cherokee, did you? Not enough seating? Oh, yeah. So I've gone back and forth on this a long time. And uh, let's see, it was probably back in 2014 or 15 that I purchased a uh, you know the two-seater bench out of a Wrangler, uh, bought that with plans to put it in the back of my my XJ uh, so that the family could spread out a little bit. Never did follow through with it. Fast forward five years, and I finally did it. Uh, I have a bench seat in the back of my XJ, so I've got three rows. Not a lot of room back there. Uh, probably half the width of a grocery shopping bag, so this is not a grocery getter. And it's a good thing I have a roof rack, too. So but, the uh, the original seat that you purchased to go in the back is uh, has that been collecting uh, clothes for the last uh, you know ten or fifteen years? No, so I I ended up putting that up in my son's room. Uh, little CJ oh, and cool. I read many many books there. So it's a Jeep theme furniture in his bedroom. Yeah, but I just, had to move I had to move it because I built a climbing wall right where that seat used to be. So it happened to work out well. It's out of the house, made room for a climbing wall, and now my now ginormous uh, teenager daughter and almost oh, no. teenager other daughter, they get to have what used to be the back seat and is now in the middle seat. Don't don't let her listen to this uh, podcast. She'll she'll cry and say, "Dad thinks I'm huge." <laughs> well, she is. She's taller than mom. She's only fourteen. Oh wow! <laughs> All right, guys. It seems that a blue Jeep Wrangler may have been involved in a hit and run of protesters a few days ago. Vizalia police are investigating reports that two protesters were hit, both only receiving minor injuries. 
The first protester was apparently challenging the Jeep that was flying a USA and a Trump MAGA flag. The Jeep accelerated into the protester, attempting to block the Jeep. As the Jeep continued forward, a second protester was struck, apparently unaware that the Jeep was headed towards her. The Jeep talk show doesn't recommend running over people with your Jeep. But you have to ask, why are people standing in the road? We've all seen news reports where protesters break the law and attack vehicles and their occupants. I think it's best not to put you or your Jeep in the middle of a protest if you can help it. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling uh, these uh, these guys uh, that were, I think it was uh, uh, two guys in the front seats of the Jeep. It looked like it was a... Uh, uh, a fairly late model uh, blue. Uh, I'm I'm guessing it was a, a JKU, not a JL, and uh, they had the doors off. So I mean, if you're out flying flags and looking for protesters with the doors off, you're I think you're asking for some trouble. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely got to stay out of that that type of situation altogether. That's uh, that's horrifying all the way around. I wouldn't want to be out there in my Jeep. I'll tell you that. Well, the good news is is that uh, although I'm sure it was a horrifying experience uh, for the protesters, uh, they uh, the two ladies that were hit they they weren't hurt. Uh, hurt. Uh, they were you know minor injuries, so nothing that I don't even think required hospitalization. So that's good news. I just Absolutely. don't understand why protesters get in front of vehicles. Like, why risk it? I know. You know, it's one thing to stand in front of a person who's running at you, but you're standing in front of a a vehicle that is moving or could potentially move. You're, just, you're going to so lose. There's, it, there's no yeah. way. It it's makes the news dependent. though. It makes the news. Well, I mean, that's the whole point of the, the, of the protest, isn't it? I mean, you can't just uh, protest peacefully. At least I believe this is the mindset. You can't just protest peacefully because you really don't get the news coverage, uh, the same type of 24 uh, seven news coverage you're going to get uh, if you uh, light something on fire or, these things like with the vehicles. I mean, uh, what was it? A Federal Express uh, uh, employee truck driver, uh, I think, killed a, uh, a protester. When, uh, frankly, I don't even think he knew that the, pro- the protester was there. So um, and it was one of those things where, you know, it's an 18-wheeler uh, driving a, with a tr- uh, pulling a trailer behind it. It's probably not a good idea to get <laughs> underneath those 80,000-pound uh, weight uh, on those tires. So, Yeah, the thing that really frustrates me, and I'll try not to get too political, but, you know, the the idiocracy that comes with some of these protesters really distracts from what it is they're trying to protest. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, all yeah. for exercising your, your rights to peaceful protest, but don't be an idiot. That would uh, that would be excellent advice so, for so many things, in, including Congress. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's uh you know it, it, it's uh, it's words to live by yeah i, I think uh, protesting is very american and, and uh, i applaud that but uh, not looting and not rioting and you know damaging other people's things you know peaceful legal protest is uh, is the way it should be absolutely and there is definitely a clear and distinct difference between the peaceful protest uh that we commend and some of the things that we've been seeing uh so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that it ruins it for the, the people that are out there doing a peaceful protest, uh, the, the folks that uh, go and start the fires and hurt other people, and then uh, the opportunists that, that break into stores to steal thing, steal, uh, to steal stuff. I, I, I saw a post the other day where uh, it was on uh, Facebook. Somebody had reposted it, but it was basically uh, somebody selling two 65-inch TVs for uh, $450 a piece. 
and they were just sitting on the floor on they weren't like mounted in their room or you know on the wall or anything so it's like you know okay well here i went in there and stole these two tvs but i can't imagine running out of there with uh with uh, two 65 inch tvs under your arms that's yeah, gonna be somebody's I, they're just asking for a honeypot <laughs> oh man that, no. somebody's gonna show up there they don't want uh showing up there you know at the end of it all my heart just goes out to those small businesses Absolutely. and those small businesses affected by this because there is no reprieve for them from a situation like this largely so our hearts go out to those folks and I think it was uh, Minneapolis, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Michigan, that is talking about uh, none of the protesters, uh, the rioters, really, I should say, uh, will be prosecuted. Uh, I, I just, I mean, it's it's that's a clear thing about, yeah, that's fine. Whatever you guys did, you're fine. You're not going to get in trouble for it. So the next time there's an opportunity for you to riot, please go ahead. I, I just don't understand the, the thought process of the government. You don't want to put your... Uh, you know, pardon the the the, the terminology here. Your your boot on the back of somebody's neck, but at the same time, you need to punish the the people for not not following the law. And I guess what we're seeing is a lot of that uh, not happening. People not being punished uh, for the law. Now, if you're a speeder, especially if it's me, I, I completely understand that those people should just be let let go along their way. They're taxpayers, and they're just trying to get to, get to work on time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, steel jeep, go directly to jail. A man from uh, Port St. Luce, or Lucy, is, uh, Lucy, you've got some explaining to do, is accused of attacking and robbing an 80-year-old man. After assaulting the elderly man, James Simpson, 40, decided to steal credit cards and uh, the victim's four-door JL, or in this case, a JLU. Simpson, Simpson told the police that he decided to drive himself and the stolen jeep to jail after seeing himself in surveillance video on the news and social media. James Simpson faces multiple charges, attempted murder, aggravated battery on a person 65 or older, and home invasion robbery. Yeah, take my credit cards, but leave my Jeep, is what I always say. <laughs> I think that's really funny. I mean, uh, it, it's especially funny, too, where he, he takes the stolen vehicle uh, directly to jail. And... Uh, I, you know, I, I like this. I like the idea of uh, when people see that they that there's no way they're going to get away. Uh, they just say, "Oh well, I screwed up. I'm, I'm going to jail. I'll just I'll just see you there, and at least I have a nice ride to, to, to get there." And the other cool thing from this story is there's an 80 year old man with a with a cool <laughs> jeep that he's driving around, and I'm sure he got it back too. It didn't look like it was uh, in the worst shape. That's really kind of funny. The guy makes all sorts of bad decisions and then realizes, nope, I'm busted. I guess that's it. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to start making good life choices. Oh, no. myself I, to jail. <laughs> I doubt that it'll be good life choices. This is the most expedient way. <laughs> There's no sense of getting shot. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you've got a news tip or you have a response to any of the stories, make sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Now, coming up later in the show, an interview with Nate of Dirt Lifestyle. That's DirtLifestyle.com. Have you, have you guys seen uh, Nate's uh, YouTube videos? Uh, I've been seeing some uh, some pretty <laughs> amazing things that they're doing oh, with those yeah. Jeeps. Yeah, I've uh, seen a couple of those videos. Nate, Nate and those guys are really getting down out there. <laughs> Damaging yeah, the hell I, out of things. You know, Jeeps, I especially like the I especially like his fabrication stuff after yeah. uh, recently buying a welder. I'm watching it for educational purposes, not just the uh, entertainment value. 
Did you have a, a, a pre-welding experience, uh, Dan? Because I'm thinking about getting a welder as well. So I have had a couple, I would say, lessons, not necessarily classes. Uh, and then I've had a bunch of OJT. Uh, when I was in Iraq, I was running a maintenance company, and part of that was the welding machine fabrication shop. And so I spent many, many hours down there, you know, it's 125 degrees outside, so why not wear leathers and, and stand in front of a high-voltage sparks? I mean, could it be much worse? Oh, jeez. Yeah, and, and thank you for your service. And, and Chris, uh, I believe you uh, you served as well, didn't you? Yes, sir, I did. I also served in Iraq. Uh, so uh, shout-out to, to Dan for your service as well. Thanks, brother. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still active duty. I'm, in fact, on a military installation right now. But it's not 120 degrees. Only like 90. You know, it's funny when you sent the message. Oh, yuck. <laughs> when you sent the message tonight, Dan, saying you were going to be outside, I was like, holy crap, this guy's going to be sitting in a Humvee out in the middle of the desert. I thought he was going to be home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am at home. My Humvee is parked for the night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, what, uh, what what were you in? Were Army or what? Yeah, yeah. I was in the Army. I served in the 1st Infantry Division out of Fort Riley, Kansas. All right. So you both, uh, both you guys are Army. Yeah. Big red one. Big, if you're gonna be one, be a big red one. <laughs> That's what they say. That 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 is their slogan. Just uh, uh, just rem- remember to re- remove the rubber band when you're done. Uh, right. Chris, also thank you for your service. You're listening to a four x four radio network podcast. And if you guys haven't put it together, Dan is uh, a, a part of the Four x Four Radio Network uh, uh, podcast group with uh, the Four x Four podcast. Dan, how long have you guys been doing the uh, the podcast over there? Yeah, so we started back in 2011, and it's been going pretty strong ever since. Release cycle for shows is not always great because, like we discussed, my employer sometimes uh, gets in the way of fun. But uh, yeah, 2011. Nine years? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a strongly worded letter to uh, the commander in cheese, cheese chief, and ask him to uh, uh, give you time to do your podcast, Dan, because this we need the we need the four by four podcast regularly uh, coming out regularly. But uh, yeah, you can yeah uh, <laughs> you can find well, Dan's podcast over there. Yeah, so the Jeep Talk Show that's where that one's at. But it turns out I'm also producing podcast content for the Army. Oh, wow! Edu- educating nice. uh, some of my peers and up and coming leaders. So that's cool. I'm staying busy with content production. Did you? Uh, did, did that happen because of your podcast? Did you uh, volunteer for that, or were you volunteered? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, <laughs> they were looking to do a thing, uh, and I just happened to have the resident expertise, so I volunteered. And uh, leading the way. So I guess as some background, I am a uh, observer coach trainer. So a little more coaching and training than, than anything else at the National Training Center out in Southern California. And uh, so the, the podcast that I host kind of provides some best practices, some lessons learned, do some exit interviews with leaders as they're coming out. So not great off-roading content, but if anybody's in, interested in Army professional development. It's a it's a good one. So uh, when it comes to contract renegotiation, can I can I recommend holding out for a tank? Because you can always use a tank. <laughs> always I mean, tanks are always in you know in high demand. So that's one of the perks of this job. Uh, I like to say that I I get paid to go off roading, camping, uh, yeah. cooking out, hanging out with friends. Like this is literally my job. 
in the last two years since I've been here, I've logged over 20,000 miles in two different Humvees uh, just driving myself. So it, it's, a, it's a pretty good job. Well, especially when it's only, what, 110 degrees instead of 120? I mean, it gets pretty hot out there in the, the desert of California, doesn't it? But it's a dry heat, so they say. <laughs> no, it I wouldn't be for me because I'd be sweating it up. Heat. Heat is heat. Heat is heat. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow, I've been out there. It's some of the hottest I've ever experienced in my life. That, that place is warm. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, here it is. Almost 9 o'clock at night, and it's still around 90. Uh, and I don't know if you can hear it, but there is, in fact, a Blackhawk flying back behind my house. Oh, I thought that was a jet. Okay. Yeah, I could hear it. <laughs> Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. First EJS 2020, now the Overland Expo 2020 series has been postponed until 2021. They say postponed, but technically the 2020 series has been canceled. They had weekends planned for Expo West in Flagstaff, Arizona, originally scheduled in May, but they postponed that till the end of July. Now it's been totally canceled. The Expo Central was in August in Loveland, Colorado, and Overland Expo East in Virginia in October. The Expo's media release reads, It is with heavy heart that we announce all in-person Overland Expo events have been postponed for 2020. The safety and health of our attendees, exhibitors, and staff are of the utmost importance to us. After months of deliberation, research, consultation with local officials, we have decided to postpone all in-person Overland Expo events until 2021. Like you, we eagerly, eagerly anticipate each Overland Expo event. The events are more than a place where Overlanders congregate to share experiences, products, and wisdom. They are a way for the community to come together, connect, and celebrate our shared love for the overlanding lifestyle. And have fun, too. We hope that the world would look different by late summer, early fall. However, we have still not received approval to move forward with math, mass gatherings in the counties in which these events are based. We've considered all options to host an event that would adhere to the highest level of safety without compromising the event experience. Ultimately, we concluded we could not in good conscience host a gathering of tens of thousands of overlanders in an environment with so many unknowns. We fear hosting any one of our in-person events could threaten the health and those of those in overlanding community and beyond. The only responsible choice is to refrain from hosting live events in 2020. Now, I was really bummed as I was planning on attending all three of these events. But I guess, as a typical Minnesota Viking fan says, there's always next year. On a brighter note, this past weekend, we took the 69 CJ5 to Toll Road Gulch Trail Trail near Buena Vista. It's a fun and easy trail around Poncho Pass to the town of Bonanza, population of one. Now, there's a sprinkling of full-time residents in the hills around the town, but now all that remains are several historic buildings. Bonanza is a ghost town. The West is full of ghost towns. That's another fun way to enjoy your Jeep, to explore these many ghost towns. Bonanza means prosperity in Spanish. It's a former silver mining town. A local resident, Tom Cook, was high up in the mountains searching for horses back in the day when he discovered ore deposits. A town quickly sprung up. 
Now, there was never an accurate population account of this mining camp at the time. However, there were 36 saloons and seven dance halls back in the day. There are two ways to get to this town. One is from Toll Road Gulch Trail, which we were on. This is a narrow trail in some sections, and I questioned if my school bus of a Jeep would have fit. Ron, fellow Jeep talk show listener, guided us on this trail, said my Jeep would have made it, but it would have been really tight. There are some amazing views of Mount Array and the lower range of Collegiate Peaks from this trail. In June in Colorado, you take your chances when off-roading up in the mountains. Some of the trails could still be snowed over, and once we reached the top, this one was, so we never made it to Bonanza. However, I found out there is another way to the town, and I am hoping to take the gravel road up there this weekend. The best way to find ghost towns near you is to use Google. I also have another tip for some great maps of off-road trails in Colorado and Utah. That's by going to www.latitude40maps.com. Now, the link will be in the show notes. Next week, I plan on sharing seven overland routes in the Northern Hemisphere. Tammy, I think you use maps too much. I think that you get in a lot more trouble if you just went out there and said, well, let's just, let's just go over here and see what happens. Uh, no, wait. I get in trouble when I do that because I have no <laughs> sense of direction. Yeah. So how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? Always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast, been a lifelong Jeeper myself, continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, uh, advice, and learning. So last week, I, uh, I, I bitched at you guys uh, sitting on those uh, $1,200 stimulus checks and not uh, uh, spending a measly, uh, like a little over $2 a month for uh, being a, a paid Jeep Talk Show subscriber. And boy, we had several people jump in. And actually, I guess I, I laid it on a little too hard because a couple of you out there uh, subscribed for $100, which I don't even think, I don't even know how you did it because I don't think I got a $100 thing on there. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, no, that doesn't mean the rest of you guys are off the hook. You need to be paid subscribers as well. So go over to JeepTalkShow.com and uh, look for that paid subscribe button. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you've got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them in with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with a tank of big old tires and a liar. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. Yeah, you need to give me a beer. Now, Dan, I want you to understand that's not a dig at your podcast, no matter what you what you might think, because your your audio is fine. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part. <laughs> Maybe I should take the show outside. It's better quality it's, out here. It sounded great. I mean, you get a little uh, you get a little stargazing, get a little podcasting. I do it all at the same time. And I tell you, the the room I normally use as the podcast studio, uh, not great ventilation in there. So I, you know, pass don't pass gas in the studio. <laughs> uh, 
but also the air conditioner stopped in my house and so i woke up this morning it was 80 something degrees inside the house yeah and it's even hotter in that room with no vents so even with it being as warm as it is outside this cool breeze way better Oh, I bet. In the far studio. I mean, the studio. Yeah. When you had the uh, the camera on earlier, I noticed somebody bringing you a cool beverage towards the beginning of the show. I thought that was, uh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. No, that's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty ho, boys and girls, we've got uh, Nate with Dirt Lifestyle uh, with us here tonight. We haven't done an interview in a couple of uh, weeks, and we're really happy that uh, Nate agreed to uh, jump in here and uh, and uh, be interviewed. Nate, thank you very much for uh, joining us tonight. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Nate, I, uh, I, I've enjoyed your videos up on YouTube uh, uh, for, for a while now, and uh, uh Anytime I see something that I think is interesting, uh, I try to reach out to the folks uh, uh, doing it and uh, get them here on the show. Uh, it was great that I was able to, to contact you and uh, do this. Do you Have you done many, uh, many podcast interviews? Uh, I've done a couple with the uh, NW Jeepcast, but so far, that's it. Really? I'm kind of surprised, especially since you have a wide range of off-road vehicles. Uh, I think you, at least on your, your, the, the, the YouTube video, when you're in the garage... I see a, a few vehicles there. I see a, a, a newer Jeep. Uh, I think it's a JK, and then uh, an older Jeep and a, a Land Rover. Is is that the the entirety of your off road vehicles, or do you have more? Well, I've got uh, I've got a TJ. It actually does get mistaken for a JK a lot because of the way I located the lights on the grill. Oh, but, uh, damn you! See that I was I was studying that thing the other day. I went, I think that's a TJ. <laughs> no, no, that's that's gonna be a JK because of blah blah blah. So yeah, I think it was the little uh, the indicator of the uh, signal lights on the on the grill that, that yep. threw me off. <laughs> I get that a lot, and um, it you know I painted it aftermarket colors, so it's not like you. You know, TJ kind of has their own colors, and right. AK kind of has. So there's no dead giveaways. Well, God bless um, you. I like the TJs. I like them a lot. My wife has one. Actually, both my daughters have uh, have TJs. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. Yep. So I've got the TJ. I've got a uh, an '82 Jeep J10 pickup truck, the one of the original Gladiators, mm-hmm. and then uh, I've got a uh, 2003 Land Rover Discovery that I'm building to an Overlander, um, and then I have a diesel Jeep Liberty that I'm building. It's my wife's daily. Um, and then, yeah, then I've got my uh, my tow rig, which is a, a dually Dodge Mega Cab. So those are my four by fours. Excellent. How do you? How does the Land Rover stack up to the uh, to your Jeeps? It's it's a completely different tool. So my my Jeep Wrangler is that's my trail rig. That's the one that I go and I just I beat on. I mean, I'll I'll take it on any trail, uh, any trail in America. If it's if it's there, I will do it. Uh, the Land Rover is for luxury. It's for the space on the inside. Um, it's for camping, you know, whereas my TJ, I mean, if you've ever been in a TJ, you know, it's not really a great camping rig. There's not a whole lot of room in there to put your gear unless you're just like sleeping on a tarp under a blanket or something like right. that. Sleeping under so, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Rover is great because, um, it's got all this space in there. The, the, the cargo area is huge. It even has extra seats that fold down so you can put seven people in there. Wow. So, I mean, it's just a completely different tool entirely than, um, my Jeep, which is why I was interested in it. I had no experience with Land Rovers before. Um, I, you know, 
I saved up. My wife and I had a down payment for the diesel JL for the last three years. Every year we say, we're going to buy the diesel JL. And they just kept kicking the can a year and year. And so this last year we had a big talk about it. And um, I I just told her, you know, with, with the money we would lose in depreciation on a brand new Jeep, we could build and own an Overlander <laughs> just in the money and depreciation. Yeah. So we started looking around and... Uh, you know, we were looking at um, some Toyotas, we were looking at different things, and when we stumbled upon the the Discovery, my wife was like, "That thing is really cool," and so we went and took took a look at a few of them, and they've just got some really unique design quirks and characteristics that I really enjoy. Uh, the way you set really high inside of it is cool. The dual functioning sunroofs. There's just all these little details that I really I really like about that thing, and it just it feels so much different than any other vehicle I've owned. So. And they're so cheap. I mean, you know, I've got a fully functional luxury Land Rover. It's V8, four by four, straight axles, front and rear for plus, you know, it's five grand. It's, you can't get that with a Jeep, right? you know? And so, um, yeah, that's how we, that's how we got into the Land Rover market. And it, uh, we bit, we, it bit us hard. We love it. We really enjoy that rig a lot. So do you, do you think the, it gets, the, that's a long answer to your question? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's great. Uh, th- th- we're here for you. Uh, so do you, do you see the Land Rover, uh, replacing your Jeep? Oh, no way. Nope. I'm a collector, man. I'm the, my TJ will always be here. And, um, I think the Land Rover will be too. We've, we've really enjoyed it. And, uh, I'm doing a one ton axle swap on the Land Rover right now. So, uh, oh, once wow. it has the one tons and 37s and, uh, lockers and everything, it's going to be, it'll be hard to get rid of it too. Cause it's just going to be <laughs> so capable. It's so well-rounded. Um, and that's, you know, it's, that's the problem is I'll buy something that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I want it to do this one task. And then you know, there was going to be just an overlander on like 33s. And then before you know it, I'm building one ton axles for it. So right. Go do hard trails with it too. So I've just I've got that same car disease Jay Leno has without all the money I think. <laughs> Very true. Does, they, <laughs> does Jay Leno have any Jeeps? I, I, I watch some of his stuff and I never see a Jeep. And I always uh, make comments in the uh, in the the video thing about where's the Jeep, Jay? <laughs> yeah, you know I don't know. I haven't seen him in one, um, but he has buildings full of cars. Oh and I know. If I had that kind of money, I would do the exact same thing. I for sure. I, I love cars so much. Um, outside of four by fours, I, I just, I love cars. And so I totally, I get it when I, anytime I watch his shows, I'm just like, I, I feel for you, man. <laughs> I just wish I could make that kind of an investment. So a little side, uh, side angle here about cars. I found that, uh, I was never interested in any, any vehicle prior to about 65, I believe the, the 65 and, uh, and on up until the seventies, seventies just kind of sucked. I mean, there was some interesting vehicles. Uh, during that time, uh, like the uh, the Pacer, the the Gremlin, a lot of the AMC mm-hmm. things where they were doing things really strange. But with all the uh, the pollution control stuff that they were putting in there and, and mm-hmm. the tuning down of the engines, it was horrible, just absolutely horrible. But the, the late 60s uh, vehicles, the Camaro, uh, the the Charger, the, uh, the Nova, I had a 72 Nova, uh, a 72 and a 73 Nova. And just absolute blast uh, th- those vehicles were. Are you, you know, Jay and Jay and actually uh, Seinfeld, I've seen some, some Seinfeld stuff. Yeah. They all seem to like these really old vehicles. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I could never get into that. Uh, how are you with, uh, with the, via- the, the cars? So I agree with you. 
And um, I agree with you, basically. I agree with you from the look standpoint, especially. You give me a 68 anything, I'm probably going to enjoy the <laughs> hell out of it. Yeah. You know? I mean, a 68 uh, Dotson Roadster, I would love to have. A yeah. 68 um, Chevelle, a 68 oh, yeah. You know, Jeep. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Anything from that time period. I had a 60, um, or no, I had a 70 Carmen Ghia that I loved the looks of because it still had the 60s look and feel. I mean, there's so much of that. But I think that my biggest hang up with stuff older than 65 is the performance is just awful. Oh, I, really? The, and, and, the, and in ways that people don't think of. So my father-in-law has, a, um, he's got an old Model A and it's really cool to look at and it's cool to sit in, but it's not cool to drive. <laughs> you know, right. this thing is before they had synchros and transmissions. It's before they had, you know, power brakes. It's before they had power steering. So it's, and, and you know, you can get some pretty cool cars without power brakes and power steering that are still really fun to drive, but those didn't exist yet in the thirties, forties. You know what right. I mean? And so, um, I agree with you, man. I, it's, I'm not attracted to the stuff of that era because I have owned some old vehicles that I was just like, this just, it doesn't even have the, like what I would consider the basic requirements to have a good experience in a car. You know, if your wipers are powered by vacuum and they go out all the time, like that's not a good experience. Oh, no, <laughs> like not all those all. old, ca all those old cars were like vacuum powered wipers. And there's just so many little things you take for granted. Um, and a lot of that started to get better in the sixties. And so you can hop in a 69 Camaro and just enjoy the crap out of it. You know, even though the suspension isn't good by today's standards, it at least had power brakes and, and decent steering and more than 50 horsepower, like everything in the forties and thirties had. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, I, I love anything in the sixties on, um, but I definitely get your notes on the seventies. The seventies and eighties were pretty bad on some vehicles. Right. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Yeah, the uh, the Nova, uh, and, and not to uh, talk too much about this, but the the Nova that I had, uh, you know, you can't have a perfectly uh, good uh, uh, 350 uh, V8 in it. You have to take it out and put something in there that you know, has more horsepower. Uh, mm -hmm. I was uh, I was kind of in love with those uh, late year uh, late 60s engines, so I actually put mm -hmm. a 327 in mine and nice. uh, learned about rebuilding engines and stuff from that at uh, a really young age. And then cool. I uh, then I uh, actually had a uh, I didn't have the money to actually re rebuild it properly, so I had reused some pistons, which you you really shouldn't do. And uh, one actually came apart on me, cratered. It, it it started coming apart. It didn't hurt the engine uh, that I could tell, but I replaced that uh, that one piston, and then uh, uh, like a dumbass, took it out for a 130 mile an hour uh, test drive, and <laughs> uh, ran into the back of uh, this. Uh, um, Malibu, I think it was like oh. a uh, seventy-something Malibu, and uh, it wasn't my fault. He pulled over into my lane. How dare he be driving the speed limit and then change lanes uh, into into me when, when, when you're going <laughs> double the speed limit? <laughs> <laughs> and I say one thirty. That's where the, the 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 speedometer pegged at. So I, you know, I, I could have been going faster than that. But yeah, I had Holy to. Hell. I actually had to get out of uh, out of cars because. Uh, I was not going to get killed, but somebody else was going to be. So uh, for the public safety, I had to get into the trucks and then into Jeeps. So <laughs> I have a very similar background. <laughs> I got in trouble. I've never told this story on like a, a show or on my, my, uh, my uh, YouTube channel or anything. But a few weeks before I was going to get married, um, I had this little Volkswagen GTI that I had put a bigger turbo on and bigger <laughs> injectors. I, yes. I picked it up. It was, it was a quick little car. 
and I was in Tacoma. I was I was young and dumb, and this Honda pulled up next to me. He and he, he revved his engine, and I was like, "Oh, okay, we're we're going." So yes. we, we take off down in in the middle of you know the streets in Tacoma, and uh, we I mean we drive like I don't know two or three hundred feet before boom, there's two cops that just happened to be sitting oh, right there. Oh, no. and I was like, "No way!" So, um. I took, I just took a hard right. I didn't even see no lights or anything. I was just like, I, they're going to probably try to pull one of us over. And so I just, the one took that's a hard closest right. to them. Yeah. Let me get out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, they could just take the Honda. And so I go down the back road. I don't see anybody in my rear view. So I take one more turn. Don't see anybody, anybody in my rear view. I'm like, sweet. I guess I got away with it. I learned my lesson, I guess. Boom. The cop comes right. I mean, he's right on me. And I, so he comes up, he pulls me out of the car. He's like, you're arrested. You're going to jail. Like, I'm like, no way. So anyway, I end up talking my way out of it from the yes. backseat of the cop car. Um, and I just couldn't believe how lucky I was to have such a understanding police officer. Um, I mean, I have no, I don't even have speed speeding tickets, so I have no history whatsoever. He was very cool. And he let me go, and after that, I got rid of my fast car. I've had nothing but like diesels and slow cars and jeeps and trucks ever since then. I don't, I don't, I love the feeling of something that's fun to drive like that, but mm-hmm. I'm not adult enough to have that temptation. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. You know, I even have uh, Hondas trying to race me in my lifted uh, Jeep, and I've learned yeah. uh, that uh, you know, I, and I don't have the maturity just to ignore them. I just kind of let the Jeep drift over into their lane. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And when they see that uh, 33-inch tire coming at their window, it's just like, "Oh, you asshole!" And then they take uh, off. Funny. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. that's oh, that's very uh, very lucky. Uh, so, uh, are, are you still making payments to this uh, this police officer t- uh, to to this day, or did, yeah. you, pay, did you get him paid off? <laughs> no, I didn't have to do anything like that. I was I was very very fortunate that I just got an understanding officer because originally he was extremely mad. Oh, I'm sure, uh, but. I just came clean right away and gave him all the power and just admitted. I was like, no, I was, I was racing. I was stupid. I put everybody in jeopardy. I was like, I deserve to be here. It's just so and, strange whenever you're, when you're young like that and you don't, uh, you're aware of, of people with kids in their vehicles and women yeah. that, uh, may not be, uh, may be terrified from, uh, your vehicle coming past them at such a high rate of speed. Uh, I know. but you don't, uh, you don't consider that. And then after you, you get older you and, you, perspective and, you, yet. and you have children and then you go, yeah. oh, I'd like to do some damage here, but man, I can't drive this fast and weave in and out of traffic. It's going to be fine. Nothing's going to happen, uh, but but it's going to scare the hell out of these people. And there may be kids in the vehicle. And if, if they panic exactly. and then run into me and then, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's so, it, you know, the driving age probably should be 30. <laughs> Right? For, for males, you at least males. Although I've seen some women out there that are getting pretty damn aggressive. I know, right? Yeah, this is um, this was a younger, dumber me who was making those decisions. Now I've got kids and I'm married, and I uh, my driving behavior is much different. Um, so I I could probably have a fun car to drive now and be much more responsible about it, but um, I don't need it. So I, I now I actually do consider other I consider families. I know what that means now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a dad. Right. Yeah. So it, I think that. As you grow older and you gain perspective, um, you know, that wisdom isn't something you're just born with. It's something that you have to gain through time. And, and uh, I've definitely noticed in the last 10 years, I've, I've made much better decisions. 
as many of us do whenever and, we're between 25 and 35. And also, too, you're driving by uh, some, uh, you're doing this stuff, and you and it may be a young driver. It may be somebody, the uh, like a somebody's kid that, that's, you know, 16, 18 years old, and they have they don't have the driving experience. So yeah. and when you have kids, especially when they get old enough to drive like mine are, it, it does change very much. Anyway. So uh, just just some fun background about cars. I love going yeah. fast. Absolutely love it. It is just just so much fun. In fact, I'm really looking forward to uh, us getting a better power supply, so that uh, electric vehicles and even electric off-road vehicles are, 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 are a viable thing. Right now, I just don't think we have the the sufficient amount of power a uh, power density uh, to be able to do that. But uh, uh, I, I, I would be blown away by something that was a fast Jeep because, you know, you get all that torque and all that instant uh-huh. power from uh, from electric motors. And, of course, I have this in my, thing in my head where each wheel gets its own electric motor. And you have the ultimate locker set, set up. Uh, yeah. and, and with the right sensors, you could do all kinds of crap, computer crap, uh, off-road. Hell, you could, yeah. just, you could just get out and, and have it go over obstacles while you're uh, doing your YouTube videos of uh, how well your Jeep is performing. Oh, I would love it. I, I'm I'm a huge electric guy. I I have not owned any electric vehicles. I have it's driven. Not, some. It's not time. This is not it's, time. It's almost time. It is. It's I, getting close. It, it's getting close. And the the specs on some of these. I mean, the the thing that's unfortunate is that everything that's good is so far out of my price range. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, I would love to own a Tesla. I would love to own. I mean, finally, someone made an electric car that looks good. You know, right. and. Um, my wife and I have been talking about the electric Jeep since they were talking about development a few years ago. Um, I can't wait for that too. I think that, you know, electric leaves more room for reliability, for power, for, um, I mean, there's just so many things you can control with an electric motor and there's so much less going on. And I think a lot of people would probably disagree with that, but I have owned a lot of gas uh, fired things and a lot of electric fired things and electric is the future i mean i have an electric blower i pull a switch it's one switch that goes from a battery to a motor and it makes the it's so i can go like blow leaves in the backyard i had a gas operated one before that and you know it had a piston i had to mix gas like oil there's all this stuff and i just love the simplicity of electricity and i love the reliability and as someone who is a i'm a hunter the idea of having a vehicle that doesn't make noise when I'm creeping through the woods would be awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there's so much. There's so many fewer moving parts. There's not as much heat yeah. generated. Uh, yeah. Your efficiency is uh, much higher than it is with a uh, a fuel uh, a burning a fuel uh, type of engine. Uh, there's a lot of positives to it. And and like I said, what we need is a good power supply, good power density. Uh, power to yep. weight ratio and and I mean, i'm there i i think I that electric has a bad name because of the the uh, uh what do you call the uh um i'm trying to think not immune the uh finicky uh, is not the right word but the finicky way that electric vehicles have uh, the first ones have come out because the power mm-hmm. density was horrible people look yeah. at that like the prius pre there's so many prius jokes uh yeah, because yeah. Uh, of uh, how small and aerodynamic it has to be of course it's a uh, 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 it has its uh, electric motor and a uh, uh, and a gas and a gas motor, so it's not purely yeah. electric. But a lot of them, like you say, it doesn't look like a a, a car with uh, well, I'll just say with nuts. It has balls yeah. to it, and uh, yeah, the Tesla, Elon Musk. I, you know, it's just amazing that he picked this time to travel to from the future. It's it's wonderful <laughs> that he did. 
we're very fortunate for that. Yeah, yeah. You gotta love the guy, man. And uh, you know the yeah. space. I, yeah, I want to go to space. Let's uh, let's build something. Oh, let's do electric car. And uh, uh, have you heard uh, uh, recently? He hasn't made the the announcement, the battery day announcement. But uh, everybody says that the big announcement is going to be a, a greater power density on the batteries, and then also too using the Tesla as a, um, a power grid uh, supplement. So it'll actually be able to hook into the power grid and you can sell the your electricity uh, through Tesla's uh, charger and stuff and put it back on the grid. So your, your vehicle will actually be making money while it's uh, sitting there uh, and, and all the computer stuff will keep up with when you know you need to use it and it will have to have at least enough of a charge for you to be able to go and do what you need to do. So... You know, you, you've got the vehicle, but it's actually going to be making you money and uh, getting rid of some of these cold fire plants, which I don't really have a problem with the cold fired plants. But if you can do it cleaner and uh, make money at the same time, personally, I think Why it's not? a great idea. Yeah. Well, he's a real visionary. You know, we've got um, we've got all these corporations that have all the uh, they have all the capital that it would take to be this innovative, but none of the flexibility to be this innovative well the gm ford come on guys yeah you've uh, been doing this a long time you can be just as groundbreaking but instead you you give us another 50 horsepower another 100 horsepower whatever on the new corvette and you tweak the way it looks and you make it handle a little better but you're not making giant leaps and bounds like this guy who helped invent paypal did this guy had knew nothing about cars and he made a bunch of uh seed money from being a part inventor of PayPal. Right. And, and then he goes and starts a car company from scratch in a time when everyone thought that was impossible. And he just, he never lost that uh, childlike view of the world where it's like, well, why don't, why don't adults just do this? Why don't we just make it to where your car can sell back the power to the power companies? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for whatever reason, these really big corporations don't have that kind of outlook on the market. It's like they're maybe they're too caught up in the dollars and cents and they're not oh, caught up in the it's imagination investors. that it takes to move forward. You have to make sure that you make X amount of dollars and the investors have to get their money back or you're out. Absolutely out. Yeah. So uh, Tesla. Elon Musk, that's not his, his primary uh, objective. His primary objective is curiosity and innovation and absolutely things and, that and you just, saw back in the forties, yeah. uh, uh, that you had these people come out like Howard Hughes and, uh, -huh. uh individuals that said, let's do this. It, it, yeah. This is, you know, just let's get it done. I don't know how the guy stays together just mentally with all the things that he has going on. And you can see that when he talks sometimes because he stutters and he's just trying to get it. He's like, I need to focus on now, not all these mm -hmm. other things. So let me try to focus on speaking. And it's, it's better at other times, but uh, I, I don't think I could handle the pressure. But anyway. There's no way I could. <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway, so it's it's really, we're very lucky to be alive. And I, I'm a big space uh, person fanatic. I, I was actually alive during the Apollo missions, uh, young child, and I got to watch all those things. And then got to be very disappointed for years after that with uh, Congress doing all this, this crap that they've done uh, with not having funding for our space program. And the space program just being horrible uh, as far as, yeah. you know, I was promised that we would have a ch uh, ship like uh, uh, Musk is building. I was promised that we would have those type of vehicles that were landing, uh, you know, vertically, taking off and landing vertically, that they would be around in the 80s. 
and now it's wow. just happening. Yeah, and now it's just happening. And I just give it, kind of given up on the space program, and now here we are with uh, uh, Elon Musk doing SpaceX and doing these things that are just things that I was promised years ago. And I want to know why he's not working on a flying car. This is another thing that we were promised for the 21st mm. century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've actually, you're uh, that's ringing a bell. I do remember him talking about flying cars. Um, I'll have to go look at that now. There's some big challenges. I think I heard him talk about it on a podcast a long time ago. And it, he made a lot of He's just, of course, he's thought about that, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> he, of course. So he, he had a lot of really good points as to uh, what the challenges are um, to make flying cars possible and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I mean, it, I think yeah, we're absolutely in agreement. I, I, love, I love the fact that he is um, pushing on space the way that every kid wants to see adults push on space because it's, yeah. it's so fascinating and it's so intriguing and so alluring and um something happened in our government along the way where um i mean i understand if that's not top priority in the budget and whatnot but it's almost like the the amount of innovation that came from um us landing on the moon just like trickled down and gave oh, like, absolutely this huge boost in technology and understanding and, and all this craziness and then we just didn't make those kinds of leaps and bounds anymore because we weren't innovating for that. And now to see someone doing that again, I think it's just, it's naturally exciting to see someone who it's like, what kinds of things are going to pop out of this? Absolutely. What kinds of things are going to trickle down from Elon Musk and his team, um, making it practical to go to Mars. It's going to be a really exciting time to be alive. So I'll, I'll tell you this, my, my view on the government is they should have uh, a, a excellent, uh, just unprecedented army for defense and offense. And I think we have that. And the other thing the government should be responsible for is research and development. Take that yeah. money that we give them and, you know, not all of it, but a, a good portion of it and research things that uh, are going to help uh, propel us into the future. And uh, like even the, the the battery technology that you know that uh, uh, Elon's doing with the uh, uh, with the the Terra factories that he's now building, all that stuff. Uh, I'm glad he's doing it. Uh, the government isn't doing what what I think they need to do. But those are the two yeah. things that our government should focus on. And uh, because absolutely the NASA Apollo program, uh, the innovations in computers and and all those things have have really pushed us forward and why we're at the point we are now why we're actually oh, yeah. able to do a podcast over this thing called the internet yeah. which the internet was <laughs> built by the military so uh, there you go um, yeah speaking of uh, speaking of flying cars I, I I I know that you do the YouTube video which was one of the things that we were going to talk about here uh-huh. um, do you uh, I haven't seen are are you using any drones uh, for your uh, for your video. Yes, I um, just recently got my drone license, and so the way it works, a lot of people aren't aware of uh, the drone licensing process, but if you are just a normal, average Joe, you can go buy a drone, you can use the footage, you can watch the footage with your family, everything else, you can post the footage online until that footage is in part of monetized footage. So as soon as you start making income on drone footage, you have to have a commercial drone license. Right. And so I have been uh, pushing, I've been pushing that off for a long time and I finally got my drone license. So I just did my first video with drone like a week and a half ago. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. And I, I love, I love using the drone. I had bought the drone over a year ago 
um, and was playing around with it and put some footage on Instagram. And a good friend of mine, um, Ian Johnson from uh, Big Tire Garage, mm-hmm. he immediately DMs me. He's like, dude, before you shoot anything, do you have your commercial drone license? And I'm like, what? Why would I need that? And then he he gave me the skinny on it. I did some research and he was 100% correct. Yes. It's like, I think it's $27,500 fine if you uh, make money on drone footage without having a drone license it's pretty epic so <laughs> so now i think I it's overkill to be honest with you uh, oh but. it is it is and do the testing process and the the amount of stuff that they ask you to understand and know about um aviation and about airports and all this stuff i'm like this has so little t- this pertains to me in like no ways at all <laughs> just shoot some cool shots of my jeep going down a trail from the air and the thing is, it's just, it's one small chunk of the video. Oh, it's, it's B-roll. Like, it, it's absolutely yeah. B-roll. It's great it's perspective. Exactly. And it's it, it's wonderful for the for the video. And, I, and yeah. I didn't mention this earlier when we were talking before, the, uh, before recording. It is absolutely the hardest thing that you'll ever do. And I know women talk, that went through childbirth are going, oh, give me a break. Is editing video footage. Not, not just, just setting up the shots and stuff, but editing it. Because it's, it's like killing your kids when you yes. have to edit stuff out that you go, yes. oh, this is, but it's just, I got to make it shorter. It's going to, people aren't going to think this is interesting, but I love it. And you have to cut it, cut it, cut it and make it nice oh, yeah. and fast. So it's hard. It's hard to be that objective. It, and it takes, it uh, I'm still always trying to be better at it because um, video is storytelling, you know? Yep. And so you have to choose your priority do I want to keep this shot because I like this shot or do I need to keep, should I keep the shot because it's good for the story? And there's a lot of, a lot of YouTube channels fall flat because it's just it from the outside looking in, it just looks like a bunch of filler, but whenever you shot it and you, you think you need to include every detail, but in reality you don't. And it's, it's like what you're saying. It's like killing your kids. It's hard to, because you put the work in and you to get all those extra shots, and if you don't use them, it's like, well, you're, you're just wasting your time, and that's hard for people to grapple with. Well, it's part of the learning process, too. It, it helps you, yeah. well, I'm not going to be able to use this. There's no reason to come up with this shot because it's not going to push the story forward. Uh, there's a few people out there that uh, that do a really good job in, in editing, but the most of the stuff that you see on YouTube, they, they haven't gotten there yet. So when you were yeah. talking about you putting in the effort, to learn how to, to tell the story, I, I kind of had a feeling that this was going to be something that you've had to wrestle with. Oh, nonstop. I, I, I've always wanted to just make the best content I can. And um, you can't do that without figuring out storytelling. And so I'm always trying to become a better storyteller, which is why I've gone through this process of getting a commercial drone license just for B-roll, just for... Yeah. In total, in a video, it's going to end up being like 20 seconds. It'll right. be like, you know, five, five second chunks of drone footage, but it makes it to where I can tell a better story because you can see what this place looks like from the air and it's not just being uh, swallowed up by trees, you know? So it's, it, it's just that I, it's, there's a certain level of dedication you need in order to be successful in this platform. And I'm trying my damnedest to be as absolutely dedicated as possible and and i think that this is just another facet of that so i i was looking at your 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 site earlier you know i catch your i've uh, subscribed to your channel of course and and you guys should too dirt lifestyle uh, on youtube 
and uh, just do a search on that for for dirt lifestyle and any if you see jeeps and uh rocks and trees and stuff because you're in the northwest and and i got to say that's a beautiful area you know that's got to be a wonderful area to be shooting videos uh and drone footage uh but uh the the, the, some of the stuff that i see it's it's just so much fun you guys recently uh you told me where it was and i've already forgotten but we we mentioned this on the the show a couple episodes ago where you guys were all trying to get over this rock pile that is uh, was put there by satan and and yeah. I don't think anybody could get over it, and 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 you broke your jeep twice uh, trying to get up and over it, not severely, uh, but uh, it, you weren't able to get up over it uh, without uh, without winching. Tell us about that. Yeah, so in that video, um, I released it a couple weeks ago, and we went to Reader Foothills, which is about two hours north of me, and um, it was a relatively short trail. But this is one of my favorite things about Pacific Northwest trails is there are so many trails here where you'll spend like three hours on it and you can see the beginning and the end in from wherever you're standing. Like they're <laughs> not very long, but they're extremely intense yeah. and it's, it's just a lot of um, really learning how to drive your rig without breaking it and be at the same time being successful and, and actually getting up and over the obstacles and, Anyway, so I went there with uh, a few friends. Um, we made it like two-thirds through the trail. We got on this really steep incline. And our rocks here are not like Midwest rocks. Um, this is, it's like, I don't know if it's granite, but it's like granite. It's much more smooth. It's not sandpapery at all. So even though I have 39-inch uh, competition sticky tires, like these are what they use in King of the Hammers, I still didn't have enough stick to get up this obstacle. So... I was beating on the rig pretty hard. I killed it because it's a manual mm-hmm. and it, it wouldn't restart. It was just a really unfortunate series of circumstances. So I ended up having to get pulled off the trail, um, pulled through the rest of the trail, which was a story in itself. <laughs> and um, on the way home, I was thinking about it and realized what it was. Um, so I have a 2002 Jeep TJ that I swapped a Volkswagen diesel into. Um, it's out of a 2006 Volkswagen Jetta. And there's only two relays that it needs to run. And one is the glow plug relay because it's a diesel. And the other one is a relay that like actually makes it run. When I I got home, I swapped out the relay and the thing fired right up. So I knew, (laughs) I was like, okay, I figured out what it was. And um, so anyway, long story short, I wanted to finish the trail. I'm stubborn that way. So like a day later, I text a bunch of friends like, who is off on Monday? (laughs) Let's let's go back up to Reader. I want to finish this trail, and I think it would be cool to finish the trail in the video. So I get a couple buddies to go. Gary from the NWGcast is one of them. My buddy Kelly from uh, Muddy Beard's YouTube channel is another. And so we go up there. Um, we just have a great time. I mean, it's a great trail. It's really challenging. Uh, it's called Beam Me Up Spotty. <laughs> and so we're two-thirds <laughs> through Beam Me Up Spotty, and I get to the same exact rock. And, um, all of a sudden the Jeep is acting funny and I have very low power and I'm like, what is going on? So I turn it off and whenever I go to restart it, it, uh, it's just click, click, click. And mm. it's clearly a dead battery. Yeah. So what it, so I got jumped and I, the alternator wasn't charging. It was just like at the exact same location 
where I was two days before. <laughs> yes, that was what was so funny about it. it That's just, what I'm saying. It just, it's rock power from Satan. That's the only oh, thing. It it, you can't have two problems at the same place. It's going to be haunted. I know. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. So we what we did is um, what I, I realized that when, whenever they were pulling me out the day uh, the two days prior, I was. I had like no steering. I had very little control over where I could go. I got a bunch of like branches and sticks and stuff stuck everywhere. And one of them had came through and broke this harness that goes to my, um, uh, my voltage regulator, Mm -hmm. my voltage regulator on because of the swap is external. And so there was no way for it to charge. So I had been, I had been driving that whole day on just the battery and the diesel doesn't take a whole lot of power, but it takes some. So what we did is we recharged it off of somebody else just with jumper cables and I was able to make it through the rest of the trail, but we all still had to winch over that one obstacle. It's it's a hell of an obstacle. I still want to go back and try that obstacle again. I think I'll just lower my tire pressure this time and see if I can get a little more stick. Yeah. Or maybe go on a hot day or something. I so was, was going to say, you need to have you know the, the clips, the two clips of trying to get over and the problems that you had and then have the one where you actually get up and over it. Uh, yeah. you know, as a, as a video and, uh, oh, absolutely. Now we, you kind of glossed over the, the diesel thing and everybody, uh, that I've ever talked to is all giddy about a diesel Jeep. I mean, even you were, you were interested in getting the, the diesel JL. So yeah. it's good that you actually have a, a diesel Jeep. Now I, I got a couple of questions. I mean, I know we're running long and I'm sorry uh, about that, but, uh, I, I got to ask you a couple of questions about the diesel. Yeah. Yeah, no worries, man. How is the power, because, you know, we're talking about a VW here as opposed to uh, a much heavier uh, vehicle, at least in my mind, it's, it's much heavier with all the modifications you've done to the TJ. How does it handle from a power standpoint? It's very powerful. It it uh, It is way more powerful than the 4 liter that came out of it. So the power numbers are as follows. The, it makes about 180 horsepower, oh, wow. which is equivalent to um, the 4.0 that I pulled out of there. But the 4.0 made about 230 foot-pounds of torque at like 3,000 RPM, uh, 3,500 somewhere in there, um, which is torquey for a gas motor, but it's nothing compared to a diesel. This diesel makes about 330 foot-pounds of torque at 1,900. So <laughs> think you're, you're idling you're idling around 900. So in, in 1,000 RPM, I get to peak power. So it's like as soon as you touch the throttle, it's, it's just making peak power right away. Um, the Jetta that it came out of, I bet you it's probably 3,500 pounds or so, and um, my Jeep's 45, but it also, you know, it's, this amount of power is much more than the 4 liter, mm-hmm. and because of where it makes its power, it feels like a rocket. It, it takes it takes off without any issues, um, and it's extremely efficient. I went down and did the Rubicon Trail, and we uh, we wheeled for two days down there and then we drove back a highway speed over Donner Pass and I, I had topped off before we hit the trail and then when we we finished and I used 2.9 gallons for the whole trip. So it's it's awesome in so many ways. <laughs> now, I don't know, uh, I hear Josh bitching about uh, the Northwest and all the rules and regulations they have there. Is this something that you can drive on the road? Can, can it pass inspection if you have inspection where you are? Is there is there any issues of actually having a uh, the, the diesel swapped TJ on the road there in uh, the Northwest. It can pass inspection up here. Uh, there are some rules that we have, but it's not something that I've ever done because my issues are that I'm on forties and that my bumpers are way higher than the, than uh, the you know, there's all these other issues that right. I have, which is why I can't drive it on the street here. So, um, I, the only time I drive it on the street is whenever I'm down in Moab 
or it's all like call my insurance company, have them put insurance on it. And uh, I'll go down to Moab and wheel down there and that never, ever have issues. And then whenever we went to uh, Rubicon Trail, I didn't have a choice. I just drove it on the freeway and just crossed my fingers. And I had, <laughs> I had insurance and stuff. Right. Um, but I haven't gone through the process of registering it as a diesel vehicle. Now, they actually, they got rid of emissions. So it doesn't, they got rid of emissions in Washington State. So it, it doesn't even matter. I. If, if, if I didn't have 40s, I could go just go just re- redo the registration and no one would care, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's different state to state um, and it's not something that I've had to go through up here. So um, the would you say that the the diesel swap was a was a good decision, not just for off road, but were there any gotchas uh, other than legal? that uh, would have made the diesel swap not a good idea. It sounds like it's a it sounds like it's just a perfect situation. I mean, who doesn't like torque on the low end? But uh, it, it, it just it always seems like there's no perfect solution is I guess is what I'm getting to. The um so the for me the ends justify the means. The means of getting here were appropriate because I'm very comfortable fabricating anything I need. Um I was willing to spend the money on the right parts. Uh, I'm very knowledgeable about diesels. I'm very knowledgeable about Jeeps. I, I had a plan, but it's not. It, this is not the right swap for everyone. This is something that there's a lot of troubleshooting that goes into engine swaps. It's just like swapping an LS or you right. know, anything else. There's a lot of troubleshooting. There's you know, are you going to get your gauges to work? Are you going to, you know, how are you going to adapt the the coolant? routing from this new engine to your current radiator are you gonna have to swap to a different rate there's all these little things you have to troubleshoot and for me this turned out exactly like i always dreamed it would that the power is outstanding um the jeep's fast believe it or not i've beat uh, quite a few v8 jeeps out there just because the power comes on so fast mm-hmm. that it just it <laughs> every time i have someone drive it they can't believe it because it, it you would it doesn't make sense you look at this you pop the hood you'd see this tiny little motor and you just think there's no way <laughs> that this is powering this Jeep. But um, it's a really good combination of parts that I have. The Jeep's relatively light because I have a lot of aluminum parts and pieces in it. And uh, so for me, it was really good. Uh, but I can't say it will be good for everyone. Right. <laughs> there's there's a lot of good options out there. And I would just recommend anyone thinking about a swap like this, do endless homework and and figure out what and be realistic. What do you have the tooling to do yourself and how much money are you willing to spend to make it right? Yeah. I had a friend of mine that was looking at uh, doing a diesel swap in his Jeep. And uh, we were out the first time I went to SEMA, we went over to, uh, I think it was advanced adapters and we were looking at some of the, uh, the plates that they made so that you could, uh, you know, take a diesel and uh, adapt it to a, uh, yeah. a transmission. And I think they wanted five grand for the plate. So, yeah, yeah. uh, some of them get pretty expensive. Yeah. I mean, it was beautiful, but I mean, just hooking this adapter plate was that much. Um, wh- mm-hmm. just curious, what transfer case are you running in your, in your TJ? I've got uh, an Atlas four speed. Okay. So it's, it's an Atlas transmission from advanced adapters. Uh, that's got two, four speeds in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recently, I think it was two years ago. I got the Atlas two speed to go in mine cause I kept stretching chains and the, uh, NP242, and I said, to hell with this. Uh, one absolutely wonderful transfer case. My God, it's amazing. And uh, one of the things that I often comment on is, is that 
if I got it in drive and in uh, in, in low uh, <laughs> low wheel drive, it's just yeah, I have to use both feet on the brake just to keep it from moving forward. It's just oh, yeah. amazing. Love those. Oh, they're uh, great. Love those. Uh, I was kind of hoping. I didn't want to say, do you have an atlas and then jump in? Well, I got an atlas, so I'm glad that you said you have an atlas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People give me crap about that, but damn, it's just so cool. That, that, that thing is just amazing. So it, it really sounds like you got a great uh, setup there. Do you have a video, uh, like maybe a, a detailed video on the diesel about the process uh, or, or just the, the build of the, the vehicle as a whole or bits and pieces and, and various videos on your, on your channel? Well, I don't have, I did the swap before I did YouTube and this, this, that's no excuse. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) So I do have some uh, videos about TDI swaps and I'm actually currently building a TDI for a future swap. Uh, I'm going to try to make the most, most powerful four cylinder TDI in North America. And then I'm going to swap this really powerful engine. I want to try to make like 400 horse, um, out of a, out of a 2.0 TDI. And uh, so I will be having a bunch of TDI swap information coming up. Um, but my current TDI was done before I did YouTube, but it's also the reason that I got into YouTube. I had a lot of people that that loved the Jeep and loved the swap and like, dude, you've got to start making videos on yeah. the stuff you do. And that's, that's how I got here. So um, there will be a lot more TDI swap information on my channel in the future. And um, currently you can just watch me. Just <laughs> go tear it up in the one I have now. Yeah. So, guys, you need to go over there to Dirt Lifestyle uh, Adventure Off Road Fabrication, the diesel stuff. It's the the videos are a lot of fun. Uh, and Nate doesn't pull any punches as far as making himself look good because he oh, no. went up to that rock pile twice and didn't make it over either time and had Jeep problems the, both times. So it's it's a it's really fun. There's no uh, egos there. It's just this is the way it is. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it just uh, go over there and, and enjoy the videos. Uh, Nate, how can people find you on the social media? We mentioned uh, YouTube. Are you uh, on, on some of the other folks? I think you have uh, places. I think you got uh, a website as well. Yeah. So my website is thedirtlifestyle.com. Um, and then uh, I've got different social media. It's all under um, at Dirt Lifestyle Nate. So Instagram at Dirt Lifestyle Nate or Facebook or anything like that. And uh, I noticed that you have a shop on the uh, the dirt the dirtlifestyle dot com. Uh, uh, is uh, what you have there is looks like uh, clothing, hats, uh, stickers. Yeah. Yep. We've got we got t shirts. We even just got uh, we got neck gaiters. Um, so you know, a lot of places are requiring you to wear like face protection. This does meet that standard. So we've got dirt lifestyle face protection stickers. We've got patches now. The overlanding community was asking for patches, so we started doing patches. So. There's a whole bunch of different swag on there if, uh, if you guys are interested in that as well. Excellent. Well, Nate, thank you so much for making time uh, for us here on our, uh, our little video podcast. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, more uh, success to you. And I'm going to be watching for the drone footage. Uh, I've got a, I got a Maverick Mini, but, you know, the, the, under the 250 grams. So I, st- I, know I, I, I know I still have that same problem that you were talking about where you can't uh, commercialize your videos. But at least I don't have to do a lot of the... Uh, FAA stuff, but uh, I'm yeah. going to look into that because uh, I would, uh, next time I get out, uh, the, the, one of the downsides I think to the drone footage is, is that either you have to have somebody that can operate the drone for you, or you have mm-hmm. to have somebody that will drive your Jeep for you if you want to video mm-hmm. your Jeep. And that sucks. 
It does. It does. <laughs> and there are drones do that both. are getting better at following you automatically. There are some pretty decent autonomous drones, but yeah. not mine. Doesn't mine it, is but doesn't so it stupid. doesn't it care, scare the hell out of you though to have a thousand dollar thing flying by itself and you're you know not watching it? I gotta watch mine, and it's not even a thousand dollars. So oh, absolutely, and you've seen where I live, man. All those trees. There's yes. no way I'd trust that. But it's like, you, what do you trust somebody driving your? expensive jeep or driving your expensive truck <laughs> oh god it's just it's so hard but yeah you need a uh, you need to you have to have a team almost to, to put these things together mm-hmm. all right man well thanks a lot and uh, we look forward to talking to you again we'll have to have you back on uh and, and talk about more of this stuff we just we just touched the surface on so many things that uh, we just we got to talk more in the future that sounds great man i really appreciate you having me on it was great all right thank you a lot thanks again nate from the dirt lifestyle for taking time to talk about the YouTube channel and the amazing TJ with the diesel engine. I know I'll be watching your adventures and the progress on the vehicles. And, and hey, I recommend everybody check it out too. Now, if you have an idea for a guest or do you work in the off-road industry or know somebody who does, maybe you would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea or be the next guest. Over 300 foot-pounds of torque on that uh, VW diesel in uh, Nate's TJ. I mean, can you imagine? And you know what's funny is that's a small diesel that he has It is. Yeah. uh, VW Jetta, I believe, I think he said. Yeah, out of a Jetta. So, uh, I mean, that's just amazing. And uh, and you get the torque. I think he said uh, you get the torque around 1,900 RPM. So... Just a, a little off of idle, you know. And uh, if you're crawling, oh my god, what a what a great deal that was. So coming up next week, the History Channel's Forged and Fire champion Philip from Be Ready Blade Works will be with us. And uh, you know, Philip has started his own YouTube channel. Uh, so on top of uh, banging out them uh, really nice knives and uh, uh, axes, and uh, I've talked to him about a broadsword on multiple occasions. Uh, <laughs> he's now doing a, a YouTube channel and it's not about blade making. It's just all about all kinds of different things. So we'll find out more next week when we talk to Philip from, uh, be ready blade works from the mind of Nikki G. Well, that, that's strange. This is the first time in years we haven't had a Nikki G to play for our audience. Hey, Tony. Uh, yes, Chris. We, we do have a Nikki G tonight. No, 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 we really don't. Come on now. Just because you don't like it, that doesn't mean we shouldn't play it. <sighs> All right, fine. Uh-oh. Hey, this is Nikki G, and, uh, talked about the Renegades last week, and I gotta tell you, uh, went wheeling with quite a few of them last year, but a, a buddy of mine particularly has one. And he wanted to go off road, so we went out on the trails, and uh, we he he did surprisingly well. And he kept saying, "Hey, let's. Is there anything harder? Is there anything harder? Trails that is. Get your mind out of the gutter, Tony." <laughs> and uh, so we ended up on the uh, Dicky Bell, and as yeah, I know. Get your mind out of the gutter. And as Tammy could tell you, uh, Dicky Bell is no joke. And he took his little renegade up it. Now, he had the uh, trailhawk, and I think it had a full uh, body pan underneath it or belly pan underneath it. And uh, so it 
He, he did pretty good, but on, on going down some of the hills, he was pretty much uh, not as much wheeling as he was sledding. But it, yeah, I have mad respect for those things. For what they are, they're surprisingly capable off-road. Well, that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to find out if anybody knows the answer to. If it was only supposed to be a three-hour tour, why in the heck did Ginger pack so many clothes? Yeah, I don't think the uh, younger generation is going to get that one. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. Have a good one. Bye. My experience is the women always overpack. I don't know about you guys or not. Can, can you say that these days? Is that politically correct? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It's not just the women. It's all the overlanders. They all overpack. Uh, I can see that too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, do you overpack? Uh, I seldom overpack. I think I underpack more often than not. So last week, uh, we spoke about, uh, in our Campfire Side chat, we spoke about the uh, the Renegade, uh, and all we had responses from our host, and we got responses from everybody that was in the, the Zoom uh, conference call, the Zoom people, as we call them. And uh, <laughs> uh, this is going to give you guys an opportunity to, uh, to jump in there. Dan, do you have any opinions about the new Jeep Renegade? Not the, not the, CJ, uh, the CJ1, but the, the, this new Renegade thing. So, you know, I had one as a rental one time. Uh, seemed to get pretty good gas mileage. Uh, it was a fairly comfortable highway ride. So if people are buying the Renegade and that somehow tilts the, the Jeep budget in a way that allows them to keep making good vehicles, then by all means, <laughs> keep selling those toasters called Renegades and people keep buying them. How about you, Chris? What do you think about the Renegade or do you have an opinion? You know, I don't really have much of an opinion about it. I am a, a purist about the name. You guys discussed this last week with us. Uh, I kind of wish they hadn't used that uh, retro nostalgia throwback name for that for that particular vehicle. And uh, that's about the only opinion I really have about it. That's, that's the way I am. Uh, I, uh, it's like um, uh, insulting to a degree. It's like... Uh, uh, screwing up the, the name, the quality of the name, uh, or the uh, trim level in this case. So, uh, yeah, somebody mentioned to me, uh, I forget who it was, uh, maybe it was you, uh, said that the, you know, the, the federal government mandates a certain uh, amount of MPGs that you must get from the vehicles that you the sell. And apparently, it doesn't have to be all the vehicles. So for them to keep making the, uh, the, the gas-fuel-hungry uh, uh, Wranglers, they need to have some vehicles that are more fuel efficient to offset it. So uh, if you if you want a Wrangler, you kind of have to have the Renegades and the other things. Um, damn it, I just I'd, I'd prefer the, the government to kind of stay out of that, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got there. There's some regulation to try and influence the market, uh, but you know that's the beauty of capitalism is the the market decides what it actually wants, and if yep. The market wants more fuel economical vehicles, then we'd all be riding a bunch of, you know, one cylinder mopeds, uh, not, you know, V6s and V8s. Exactly. Um, and, and Chris, I, I just remember this. Now, you've actually, uh, or your buddy that, uh, that you're in your team, when you go uh, on the Ultra Four races, uh, I was just kind of curious do you ever set a renegade out there? <coughs> no, I haven't seen a, a renegade out there yet and that's not to say that that 
that we won't see one out there. We just haven't seen one out there yet. Wouldn't that be a great thing? I mean, I'm really surprised, you know, Jeep wouldn't dump $100,000 into building up a Renegade so they could take it uh, on some of the Ultra 4 races. I think King of the Hammers would be great. You know, King, King of the Hammers is a pretty awesome event. We had the, the great fortune to run that this year as our very first race in a 2018 uh, JL Wrangler, and it was a blast. Uh, the driver had an awesome time. And it was, a, it was a hefty competition, but uh, no renegades. No renegades out there at King of the Hammers this year. Maybe you guys could do it. That would really be a, a punch in the arm, and quite literally and figuratively, I bet, uh, if you uh, took a renegade out there to race. I mean, you get a lot of coverage on that. I'm sure we would get a lot of, I'm sure we would get a lot of flat. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what kind of coverage that would be, uh, but I, I'm sure there would be a lot of coverage on it, for sure. You're probably right. <laughs> I don't know how far a renegade would make it off the lake bed. <laughs> well, it would be highly modified, Dan. <laughs> there would be hardly anything there. It would just be a renegade badge. and Oh, and the trail-rated badge that would be on there as well. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, sure. I mean, you could, you could probably rip the skin off a renegade and slap it on uh, a razor or something and maybe slip by and nobody would notice. You never know. I think the razor would probably be a little bigger. <laughs> that could be true. Well, you dro- you rode in one. What are you like? You're like six three, six four. Wasn't that a tight fit for you? Uh, so it's it's made to be a people mover. Uh, oh, so that's why it's a box. So, so that you'll fit. Yeah, in it. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very similar in, in kind of feel and dimensions of what is it? The Scion XB, right? It, it does feel like. I got it. It is, in fact, an appliance. Somebody is making their purchasing decision based on uh, purely financial things and not the fun to drive. Uh, and so it's, I don't know, what? feels like a toaster oven on the inside and the out. Josh, and always, the Josh always refers to it as the cute ute. So I, I guess cute is uh, if it's a thing for you, which is uh, obviously it's a selling point. It's not the first time the Jeep Talk Show has been wrong about what the people want uh, from Jeep. So. You know, the, the new Cherokee sold well uh, when it came out. I just hated that tennis shoe. Uh, but at the end, it goes back to that, uh, to the name, using the, the name that means so much to me. But um, uh, Somebody uh, coined it the Baby Grand, which I thought was a great name. That's, you know, I think that's a more feasible name for it, to be honest. Yeah, because it, it does have a Grand Cherokee look to it, or maybe some of the earlier Grand Cherokees. uh the, the, the later Cherokees, the Grand Cherokees are uh, pretty cool looking, especially the ones with the uh, 700 horsepower engines in them. So, Chris, I, I, I'd forgotten about this, and I wanted to talk about this, uh, the Ultra Ford thing. Tell us some more about that. What's the, uh, uh, if people wanted to follow along in the, in the racing, I mean, I know a lot of the racing is dead uh, at the moment because of, the, of this COVID thing, but uh, uh, you guys aren't going to stop with one race, right? No, no, no. Um, it just happened that the pandemic kind of deadlined us uh, in terms of our timing, uh, but we were able to get out and compete in King of the Hammers this year. Uh, we did have a DNF, but we placed eighth overall in the stock class at our very first outing. So we're really excited about the upcoming uh, seasons, I guess. We were excited about this season, but this season seems like it's kind of a bust. I know that they're working on some uh, – some races opening up in the ultra four circuit, but, uh, we're running the West. So, um, all the races that the ultra four series holds in the West, our guy is running. He is a retired United States army infantryman 
and our co-driver is a retired United States Army tanker. So we're proud to be a, uh, a vet-friendly, pro-military group of guys who have gotten into this as our second uh, second life, and uh, we're just having a good time with it. Uh, we've been able to uh, represent the, the Jeep Wrangler uh, out there at the event. We were the newest Jeep that was uh, involved in the race uh, at the stock class, so happy to carry that banner for Jeep as well. And um, man, we got a lot of great sponsors on the car too, and uh, we're just happy to be out doing this. We love it. Now, one of the things that we talked about prior to uh, uh, doing the podcast here was that you, uh, you the, the stock class has to have, I mean, you can do modifications, but it has to be stuff that anybody can buy and put on the Jeep. Yeah, for, you know, largely for the stock class, pretty much everything uh, should be available to the consumer market as well. And one of the things that um, a lot of folks may not know about the stock class in Ultra 4 is that we run 35-inch tires, and that's about the largest tire that we're allowed to run in that particular class. And uh, that's an interesting uh, fact for folks as we hear so much about Everybody moving to 40s and and whatnot. Uh, the the stock class in Ultra Four is a 35 inch tire. Yeah, I actually asked you if you were running 40s because uh, that's what I figured you you were probably doing. So, uh, but you reminded me about it being stock, and it made sense. So, yeah. give give us some ideas about what's on this uh, this uh, 2018 uh, uh, Jeep JL that you're uh, you're driving off road. So, um, like I said, we're running 35-inch tires. They're Amp Terrain Attack MTs uh, from Amp Tires. Uh, we're running 17-inch Dirty Life Roadkill wheels on it, uh, worn uh, winch on the front, rock crawler suspension to keep us moving about. We've got uh, keen shocks on the car now. Um, we're running the Rock Jock Correct Link steering and the Anti-Rock Sway Bars on the front and the back. We've got PSE steering, big board box, and hydro assist on the car as well. And uh, we're happy to have this vehicle maintained at Tri-County Gear out of Pomona, California. So we moved the vehicle from um, the Seattle, Washington area down to Pomona, California area to have our work done on it so that it's uh, prepared for the races. So tell me about those uh, uh, King Shocks. Is that what you what you said? Yeah, we've moved over to King Shocks. It's relatively new for us um, over the last couple months. Uh, we switched over after King of the Hammers this year. And, and what does that give you? Because I'm not familiar with them at all. When I uh, went uh, off-roading uh, up in uh, uh, the uh, Dallas-ish area, somebody had made comments that uh, his friend had just put King Shocks on his Toyota. And I looked at them and, uh, you know, like, okay, wow, they look expensive. But what, is, what exactly does it do for you? Well, it smooths that ride out, you know, for sure. Um, as we're out pushing this Jeep around in some of the most austere conditions that that we can find, it helps to smooth that ride out for the driver. So he's not uh, constantly walking, ar- walking around with uh, his spinal cord thrown out of place and uh, all kinds of other issues that come from pushing a vehicle this way. Uh, those shocks definitely help to smooth that out and it allows him to navigate that vehicle a lot better. Now, is this something that a... Uh uh, a daily driver off uh, off road weekend warrior would want, or do you think it's something that would be kind of on the extreme side? You know, I don't think that 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 type of an upgrade is necessary for everybody. It just depends on what type of uh, environments you want to put the Jeep into. For us, it's a no brainer to make the make the jump to a a more 
uh, I guess you'd say a heftier price tag shock, but you get what you pay for uh, in these instances as well. And we've been really happy with the results from what we've seen when we switched over to King. But for your average, uh, you know, driver, I don't think that you would need to to move to something like that. All right. So, so uh, Tony, the, the big difference is you can get those Kings tuned to exactly the kind of driving that you're doing and the spring package that you're running as well. So you can maintain much better control over all the different kinds of terrain you're going to ex- experience out there, Johnson Valley and all the Ultra 4 race courses. Uh, and, and really, that's what it's going to come down to. Just the tunability, rebuild, rebuildability, trying to maintain them and, and maintain uh, that high level of performance. But they are not cheap, that's for sure. If somebody is putting those on their daily drivers, uh, maybe they should sponsor me in a race or two. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, that is... If you're going to put it on your daily, give me a call. That does like that does sound expensive. Well, <laughs> a lot of people, you know, including me, didn't really know anything about them. So I want to ask those questions, and it kind of gives people a good idea that this is probably something that they're not going to need to uh, uh, to worry about. Uh, would Would you say that uh, either one of you would you say that the King Shocks are, are primarily used for high speed off road use? Hmm. Uh, I would say they're for off road use. Uh, yeah. That. And- That'd be the line I'd take with it too. I don't know about the if it's necessarily for high speed, but the this particular brand, you know, prides itself on being the most capable in its class for shocks in the off road sector. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like like Fox shots. You've probably heard of Fox before, right? Um, but you know, they make they make shocks for a wide range of applications. Where King is. It's king off-road shocks. That, that's all yep. they do is off-roading. All right. All right. Well, sounds good. So uh, was there any damage on the, your King of the Hammers run where you came in eighth place? Well, uh, we were fortunate to get out of there in pretty good shape. Um, one of the things that we were really happy with was the performance out of those amp tires that we're running. Um, we didn't have any flats or any issues out of those the entire race, and that's uh, pretty awesome. For a tire that size and and going over, you know, treacherous terrain like you see at Johnson Valley during King of the Hammers. So definitely want to want to brag about that. Um, we were fortunate not to put ourselves into any situations that, that caused any major damage to the vehicle. And uh, it, it pretty much came out looking about like it did when it went in. So that's a that's a good that's a good thing for us. So if, if folks would like to be able to follow along the races and maybe have a look at the rig and some of the information on it, do you, do you have a place where people could go to see that? Absolutely. So we do have uh, both a Facebook and an Instagram account for the team. You can find us at Twitchy McGee. Uh, that is, <laughs> that's a nickname our, our friend picked up uh, as a byproduct of his time overseas. Uh, and uh, we've been able to work with it and have some fun with it and uh yeah check us out like i said uh that handle is twitchy mcgee on instagram and you can find us on facebook under the same <laughs> that's great that's great information chris and i'm i like the whole military the militaristic idea everybody in involved in this is uh <laughs> twitchy mcgee is uh, part of the military I, I would probably uh guess that the the 2018 gl is probably the the most heavily armed uh, off-road vehicle on at King of the Hammers. I uh, I'd venture to say if you pull over into the park with us, uh, you're definitely safe. 
Attention JTS listeners, do you live in southern Wisconsin and want to help out others while having a good time? Join us for our summer picnic, food drive, and jeep drive on the first day of summer, Saturday, June 20th. We will be meeting up at noon at Pike Lake State Park for the picnic and food drive, and then starting the drive north at 2 o'clock. For more information, check out our Facebook page, Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive. And see you there. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. All right, for the must-have stuff pick of the week for your Jeep, uh, this is one Tony said, was telling me earlier. He actually uses this as a tanning bed. I don't know what that's about. But. <laughs> you just stand in front of the Jeep and then rotate every uh, few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a pair of 5-inch round LED driving lights putting out 80 watts or 8,000 lumens. Uh, that That is a lot. Uh, these are a cool white temperature, uh, not, you know, Maybe somewhere between that blue and the white that you kind of see out there. It is has an IP68 rating, which is that intrusion prevention. So that's that's really good. I think 69 is probably the highest. Uh, lifespan of 50,000 hours. Uh, and if you're like Tony and you're scared of the dark, that, that may not be long <laughs> enough. Uh, for, for the housing, it is a high-purity die-casting aluminum. Uh, and this is one pair. So don't look directly at the light they're <laughs> extremely bright from what tony's telling me uh, he's he's attempted to use it to signal the recent astronauts that took off to the international space station uh he also tries to use it to sterilize the stupid people <laughs> which I, I support that and at 160 watts for a pair you're really going to need a heavy duty wiring harness and some good charging system your stock charging system may not be able to run these lights for too long before you know idle starts to to go off but here they are on amazon for 95 dollars. so tony i do have a question do these come with a wiring harness or is that 95 dollars plus uh the the switches and everything it goes to to make it actually possible it is only the pair of lights it does not have a harness it does not have anything that you you know to switch them on or off but uh, you can just uh, hook them up uh, straight to the battery, and uh, they'll come on uh, as well. Actually, if you hook up the battery, they'll uh, be on all the time. But uh, through a little <laughs> little thought in there, you can just have them come on automatically when you start the uh, start the car up. Yeah, that's right. I, I just recently uh, installed a pair of lights from Iron Man 4x4, and it's been a long time since I've had some good quality off-road lights, but... For my headlights, I've got the the Hella H4 with the upgraded harness in the in the XJ, uh, and I think the low beam is 80 80 watts, and the high beams are 120. Super bright headlights, but man, when I flick on those Iron Man 4x4, 5x7s, like I might as well not have the headlights on at all. Now we don't want to we don't want to confuse this with with Andy's company. It's what Iron Man 4x4. Yeah, um, so Iron Man 4x4 is a widely known brand in Australia and they're starting to come over here to the United States. I'm kind of partnering up with them and testing out some of their stuff. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's not like they need any testing. They just need to get their name better known in the right. United States. Yeah. Uh, because they've been a huge brand, uh, a powerhouse in the off-roading world in Australia. And, you know, Australia knows they're off-road. Oh, a lot that, of Jeepers over there. Uh, oh yeah. I found out. No doubt about it. 
Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, no, uh, I don't know if you did this or not, and I haven't just talked about this in a long time, but uh, did you actually get the LMC truck harness uh, to, to wire up any lights on your uh, on your rig? Yeah, sure did. Uh, that way it runs the power through a relay, not necessarily through the switch. Right. So you can, it, it pulls, pulls, you don't have the same voltage drop through the wiring harness as you do. So even if you use that LMC harness with just stock headlights, it improves. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but now you pair it up with a pair of those Hella H4 bulbs. It's really cranking out some light. So I will see your Hella uh, H4 bulbs and raise you uh, LED five by seven. I think is what it is. Uh, headlights. The the headlights yeah. that I put in my Jeep were so bright uh, that I don't think they're quite as bright as these 80 waters. But man, they're bright. I actually had to figure out a way to be able to uh, to make make them dimmer. So yeah, well. So even though I'm down here in Southern California right now, uh, I, I moved here from the interior of Alaska and I plan to go back. Uh, and, and I've just, just heard too many nightmare stories of LED lights yeah, not that's true. being able to put out enough light or enough heat. heat on the front side to keep the ice and snow melted off. They, I mean, LED <clears throat> lights, they do build up a lot of heat, but it's on the circuit board on the back, right? Uh, not necessarily on the front where you need it to penetrate. Uh, all that ice and snow that builds up in the Arctic. Yeah, no, so. that's a really good point. I, I never thought about that, being down here in southeast Texas. And the last time it snowed uh, here uh, locally was in 74, I think. So uh, not a consideration for me. But, yeah, I, I think it's uh, when the snow is kind of wet, uh, it has a tendency to uh, collect on the that cold glass and freeze and uh, yeah, you just can't see. So yeah, it's a good point. But uh, yeah, it won't keep you from uh, putting these lights all over your all, all over your Jeep. I, I told you earlier, I got twelve on mine. So you need to catch up, Dan. Yeah, well, it's funny. <laughs> I do most of my night driving in blackout, so I don't need that. <laughs> uh, no, no bragging. <laughs> I do. I will say, I have a pair of infrared floodlights mounted inside the bumper of my Humvee, and uh, so if you look at them. Uh, in the dark, without just plain, bare, naked eye, uh, it kind of has a purple or a pinkish color, but you put on those night vision goggles, and it's like regular headlights on. It's kind of trippy. You know, I've thought about doing that with uh, using a, a security camera, because the security cameras, especially the ones that have the infrared built into them, are very sensitive in infrared. So you could literally, if you had a screen in your Jeep, which of course I do now, since I put in that Android head unit, uh, <laughs> you, I could literally turn off all the lights, uh, turn on some infrared uh, uh, lights, and then just drive with the uh, on the screen there on the. Uh, it wouldn't be as cool as the head mounted thing, but it'd be a lot cheaper. Yeah, and it's for those that are not experienced with blackout driving. It takes a little bit of practice because you lose some depth perception, uh, and things move a lot faster because you just have less time to react uh, when you can't see so well. But you know, this is way off topic, but I I actually prefer driving in blackout just because even with these bright headlights, there's going to be some parts uh, in that peripheral vision where you can't see especially well. Right. Uh, but, but with night vision goggles, it really amplifies all of that ambient light. Uh, so, you know, if I have the option between driving through the desert and Humvee with headlights on or blackout drive, uh, I'm going to go blackout. So I was just thinking you could really uh, surprise the hell out of some protesters in the road driving blackout. 
I've I've surprised <laughs> many donkeys and rabbits and other critters. Uh, they hear a noise, but they can't see it coming up. Right. Dan, Dan, have you ever come across one of those desert turtles out there? You know, it's funny. I uh, I hear about them all the time. I have yet to see one. I haven't even seen a snake, and I I spend wow. all the time out here. Like, I don't know. I it think- may it may be that revved up V eight diesel that start, scares them away. Yeah, I was thinking the scorpions would be a problem too. Yeah, I don't sleep on the ground. I'm not stupid. Well, I guess the the equipment that you have on uh, the boots and stuff that you wear probably uh, pretty well scorpion proof. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. I'm not going to risk it. <laughs> I don't mess with Jake the Snake, and I don't mess with scorpions, and I don't <laughs> sleep on the ground. <laughs> Uh, it's getting warmer outside. Oh, look, that's not Josh or Wendy. <laughs> Tammy, do you recognize uh, these two guys? I recognize um, Dan's voice, but... Well, take those blinders off. First. What's wrong with you? This isn't that kind of yeah. uh, campfire. <laughs> well, she didn't have those super bright headlights. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. can't see. Yeah, she's, I know. She's blinding. Her, uh, her eyes are healing as we speak. <laughs> all right so uh you, you guys know the drill by now uh we uh, we like to have this little campfire side chat and uh, we have a group of people here with us so we're going to be talking about tonight uh what do you consider built when people say the old saying built not bought now i know tammy has a a big opinion about this but but dan what what do you think whenever you hear built not bought what, what does that mean to you you know so there's some things like the some of the Ultra 4 cars, the ones that are based on the, the GOAT chassis, like that is full-on building. But even something like that, uh, you know, somebody else has bent up the tube and done all the math and figure out the geometry. But, you know, there's a, a wide spectrum of, of built uh, and bought. You know, in my mind, I see that when you see a Jeep that looks like the catalog is barfed all over it. <laughs> That's just bought. It's like people uh, decorating the AR-15 is kind of way, the way it looks like to me. <laughs> yeah. I Usually those are the, the mall crawlers, the ones that aren't really getting used. There's no rock scars or anything like that. I, I would put that in the bot bin. Um, and, you know, something like this race Jeep that Chris has, that's definitely built, even though it's a JL. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, rock scars just mean you're a bad driver, doesn't it? Oh, no. no, I've got two front fenders that are have both been chewed up by trees, um, but you know I've been wheeling this one pretty hard for a long time. Yeah, remind was that meant for me, Tony? <laughs> remind the folks what uh, what you're driving, uh, Dan. Yeah, so I've got a '99 Jeep Cherokee that I purchased uh, back in 2004. So I've had it a long time. Uh, it's on 35s, uh, heavily modified, eight inch. You know, Skyjacker lift, um, but there's not much uh, original Jeep left on it. Uh, there's not much left of that Skyjacker suspension, actually, either. Yeah. You know, I've, I've swapped over to the some custom uh, Atlas suspension springs, all the end links, the, the metal cloak Duraflex joints. Um, it, it's it's a nice, comfortable ride out here in the desert. Uh, it's also at home on trails in Alaska. Uh, it, it, it does pretty good. 
I don't know that I would take you through the King of the Hammers, especially since I don't have a cage or anything, but it, it definitely sees a lot of off-roading. So what do you, what do you consider your 99 uh, Jeep Cherokee? Is it uh, built or is it bought? Well, uh, a lot of people ask me if there's any of the original Jeeps still on it. So, <laughs> you know, I think it probably falls into the, the built but not the, you know, full-on built-from-the-ground-up level. No, no, I understand. But, uh, yeah, there's a line uh, that you – each each person has their own little line with what they think is built and not bought. I mean, uh, somebody may uh, change out the uh, the hubcap spinners and consider that uh, built. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's really very subjective. It depends on the individual, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I think it's great to uh, – get people's opinions about it now chris i understand you guys have a ultra four uh, uh jeep jl that you uh, that you take out but uh, what do you, do you where do you think the built and bought line is well a lot of our stuff is custom built you know to to fit underneath that race car but i, I think the line would just be in functionality like what what was the purpose of the modifications that you made on the vehicle were they for show or were they for go and I think that's where I would draw the distinction between that built and bought, you know, that built and bought line there is what what is it for? Is it serving the purpose that it was, you know, installed, modified, upgraded uh, for? You know, I find that if you if you do the go modifications, they're harder to see uh, than the uh, the fancy ones that you put on the outside that really have no function other than making people go, ooh. Now, th- there's people that are in the know that will notice the, 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 the go modifications, if you will. But for the most part, it's a little disappointing. It's like whenever I did the uh, slip yoke eliminator uh, on my Cherokee. I went, man, that was a lot of, a lot of money. There was a, a, quite a bit of work involved in that, and nobody's going to know it. It's, it. It was almost like I was a vegetarian. I had to tell everybody that I had a slip yoke eliminator in my, uh, in my Jeep after doing all that work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things, though, that opens up a lot of doors uh, for other modifications. It's oh, just a yeah. gateway. You got to pass through it. You got to do it if you're going to do anything else. Yeah, it's like a gateway drug. Tammy, now I know you've done a lot of uh, modifications to your Jeep. What do you? What's the difference between built and bought to you? Painting shackles does not count as bought. <laughs> I mean, built. Ha uh, ha ha! I like my purple shackles. Um, but but somebody stole one. Um, you know, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm kind of changing my mind on this. Actually, because oh, I've the been, stuff you've been seeing and learning about, yeah, yes, um, we we were flipping jeeps. Um, we bought a YJ, we built it up, and um, we're we're building these um, jeeps from scratch because they're left. Some of them are just the bodies left in a field, and difference between just going to the dealer and and getting you know this new fuel injected Rubicon. Versus, you know, a 1969 CJ5 and understanding what back then they didn't have Quadracheck or Extreme Terrain. And they literally had to modify these Jeeps using their own brains and math and geometry. And, and I'm, I'm really starting to understand what built, not bought really means. With that being said, it's okay to go to the dealership and buy a Jeep and go wheel it. So anyway, my mind can be changed. And oh, I am good. a woman, so we can change our minds. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm glad to hear it. This is uh, 
this has been an, uh, uh, an expanding uh, experience for you seeing these uh, these older Jeeps. All right, let's go over to Clint. Uh, Clint, what do you think is the difference between uh, built and uh, bought? Hey, Tony. Um, so I'm, I'm really big, and like I was talking to the other guys, I'm actually really big on self-sufficiency. Um, it's kind of one of the, I think it's one of the Jeepers code kind of things. Um, and the way I look at built, not bought, um, is if you've actually turned a wrench on your own stuff, fixing something or installing a lift kit or any kind of aftermarket modification. Um, again, like when I started my YJ, there wasn't very many aftermarket components out there. I've owned the thing for 20 some odd years now. And uh, now it's it's super easy to open up a catalog, pick out what you want, go ahead and get it. The difference that I think, honestly, is when you purchase that, that kit for a new Jeep, old Jeep, doesn't matter. If you can install that or at least get somewhat some mechanical technical aptitude to, to building it yourself, then then I think that's the difference between building up on it. Yeah, getting in there and learning how things work. Uh, even if you if, even if you don't feel comfortable making the modification yourself, maybe uh, getting a friend over there to show you how it's done and, and learning how it's put together. I just love knowing how it's put together. I just don't like all the sweating involved in uh, uh, to do doing it, but uh, I still do it anyway. And Clint, tell everybody who who you are and uh, and what you uh, what you represent uh, here locally in uh, the state of Texas. Uh, well. So I am actually the Texas Full Drive uh, Houston president and statewide president. I also sit on the board for Texas Motorized Trail Coalition, and we oversee over 5,000 acres of off-road use here in Texas. And God bless you for that. I When I got my, my Jeep modified with a lift and... Uh, uh, and bigger tires and stuff. I went out and I was looking for places to take it off road, and I couldn't believe everything here was fenced in. I mean, we drove a long ways looking too. So, what you do and what your group does is very important for us to be able to get out there and do stuff. All right, let's go over to Greg. Greg, what do you uh, what do you think the difference between built and bought is? Where's the Where's the line for you? You know, I think I agree with Clint. If you're out there doing work on your own Jeep, turning wrenches. And learning about it and how things are put together, I think that's what the, draws the line in the sand for me for as far as uh, being built, not bought. The very first modification that I did on my Jeep, I mean, what I mean by modification is something that changed the look of the Jeep because I had done all kinds of upgrades to the, uh, to the Jeep just to get it running. Uh, but was my very first modification I did was, the, was actually the... Uh, double din dash kit for the xj and uh, i had to get in there and uh, cut open the air vents and allow that kit to fit and uh, that was the very first cutting that i did on my jeep and uh, you know I, I really enjoyed that exercise but it also changed the look and on, on how the jeep ran just for uh not 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 necessarily on the outside it didn't change the look for anybody looking at it or driving down the road but just for me and my son being able to enjoy the Jeep better because we had a double dead dash in there was really uh, made a huge difference for us. Now, if I recall, you have uh, just a double den, uh, like a standard radio in there. Uh, are you are you planning on going to the like the fancy Android head unit, something with a a seven inch screen? Absolutely, yeah. My son's uh, saving up for that now, um, and uh, eventually that will go in there. But uh, 
for now, we just really enjoy the ability of having Bluetooth. You get in there and you can play whatever you want on your phone. Makes it on the speakers. makes it more modern. It kind of gives more a more modern feel. Like if you drive anything that's newer and uh, uh, you you have that uh, uh, in in your your Jeep, it's like wow, this is uh, this is pretty nice. I I put the same thing in my uh, my wife's TJ. So. Uh, she really likes that, especially with uh, the GPS navigation there with the the Android head unit. Yeah, it makes a world of difference for us. We really enjoy it, and uh, we've seen a, a lot of people have asked me uh, about how, how how to do that just for just for seeing it. You know, when they go for a ride in it, they didn't think they one would ever fit in there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's impressive because uh, it's it's you, if you look it up, you you don't find that information uh, readily. I mean. You see people where they hack things up, but getting that uh, that nice uh, two double-din bezel to actually fit the the hacking you have to do really cleans it up and makes it look very professional. It makes it look factory. All right, uh, Tim, let's jump over to you. Tim, what do you think uh, the difference is between, uh, you know, where's your line for uh, built, not bought? I'm kind of in agreement with pretty much everyone else. Is If you're actually getting your knuckles busted open oh, and yes. getting on there and <laughs> doing the work yourself, uh, I've got 2011 JK two door and I bought it completely stock and everything that's been done to it. I've done myself. Got in, lifted it, changed out the intake exhaust systems and the bumpers and uh, had to change the clutch in it two years ago. So just getting in there and just learning how everything works in there and being able to actually when something breaks, understanding why it broke and how to fix it to get you home. Yeah, it's a great feeling too to know that you can do something like that and then it it, it works when you're done or it starts up like when you're talking about intake and stuff, it still starts and runs and then it just it goes for goes and goes and goes and like, wow, I must have did a great job on that. So uh, it, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword because once you have changed a bunch of things on the Jeep, you also start getting a better understanding of what noises might be made whenever things are going bad or going wrong. So you can be driving places and go, what's that noise? I think that's the alternator, or I think that's a belt that's getting ready to come off. There's probably a uh, idler pulley that I need to replace. So <laughs> you, you kind of fixate on everything as you're, as you're driving down the road. And sometimes you hear this noise. You don't know what the hell it is. And as you pull away from the person next to you, you realize it was that truck that was making the noise and not yours. And you kind of go, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you get the loudest tires you can find, so you don't have to hear any of that. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right, uh, Travis, uh, I don't know. This might, might might not be a good idea. How much have you had to drink tonight, Travis? I'm good tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Got to give you a hard time, man. What do you what do you think's built and not bought? Now, I, I suspect that I you think, think quite a bit uh, takes uh, takes it uh, make to make it built. I think well. A, I want to say Clint and Tammy summed it up in a nutshell. Um, both of them had great points. Me, I look at an old Jeep. I drive an old Jeep. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to dive into it. I'm going to take care of it. You know, it, that's period point blank. I'm going to figure out what's going on. I'm going to fix it. I did that last week. The newer Jeeps, I get confused, but I watch my clubs. I watch my groups that everybody's a part of and I see them reaching out and they build up together. Each one of them, and it's the community. It's that Jeep community that that's like, Hey, 
we've got area 51 you bring it over here we're going to fix it up fix it up make it run right we're going to do whatever we got to do the jeep community builds up together in each other and you know i've, I've built my own jeep up through myself um, I didn't have any help. I didn't have anybody reaching out. I've been to clubs. I've been to groups. I drive an old Jeep. Guess what? They don't know what I'm driving. I figure it out myself. I learn it. But the new clubs, the new groups, they help each other. And I'm impressed with it. And a lot of them are building themselves up. Your mall crawlers, and I hate saying that name and that out loud, but they. They spend money, they get it done, they don't care, they don't look at it, it's it's not gonna matter to them. They're also not on this group. They're also not listening to podcasts. <laughs> um, they're great Jeeps, they look amazing, but they're not doing it themselves. The people on here are building it up. They're they're reaching out, they're doing their own thing. They're they're hey. My JQ's got this issue. How can I fix it? What can I do? And they're figuring it out. They're doing it. They still might pay somebody to do it, but long short short, they're reaching out. And that to me is a built up ball. It's like, hey, do the research. Know what's going on with your Jeep. Figure it out. You pay for it. You do it. Either or, you're gonna find out and make it done. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to shut up now because I'm drinking. <laughs> so I forgot to ask uh, Clint, who also has a YJ, uh, but uh, I'll ask you since I've got you here. Uh, so is, uh, was the YJ the, the last really good uh, Wrangler that they, that they made? In my heart, yes. <laughs> um, I love, I love a TJ, a JK, a JKU, a JL. I mean, they're amazing Jeeps, but in my heart, yes. <laughs> All the Jeeps are great, but yes. Clint, do you do you agree with that? Is the the YJ the the last real Wrangler? Uh, I would pick a TJ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like. I'm the getting TJ. old. My back hurts. I I like the TJs. That's uh, yeah, they're they're really nice. So let's jump over to uh, Chip. Chip, uh, I think this is your first time being here. Thank you for uh, joining us here in the Campfire Side Chat. Uh, what is it? Built, bought? What What do you think? Well, I come from a background of not being very mechanically inclined. Um, grew up on a farm and had farm boy engineering aspects. Oh, yeah. But I got the Jeep fever about six years ago, bought an old CJ5, but it was all stock and in really good shape. And I couldn't bring myself to modify it heavily, and I'd signed up to do a couple off-road things. So I was desperate for a Jeep that I could take and had confidence in perform. So I actually went out and bought a built 78 CJ5 that's on one tons with a Chevy 305 and oh heavily modified. Goodness. Yeah. And it, it's a beast. And it's, it's 35s. And it, so I, I love that Jeep and it's great and very capable off road. But I it was somebody else's Jeep, an old time guy that built it up how he wanted it. I didn't want to change anything on it. I've still got that Jeep out here in the barn, but then I progressed and said, okay, I'm really getting into this. And I bought a, a TJ. I'm sorry. you buy it. Yeah. So anyway, I bought a TJ, a 2005 TJ Rubicon that 
was already lifted and I wheeled it a little bit. And then I came to determine that I wanted to do something by Jeep that I could build up. And maybe I wasn't going to turn all the wrenches, but I, I just last December bought a 2014 JK two-door. And the last few weeks I spent with my mechanic and he and I, and I was there the whole time he was doing the installs and I picked out all the parts and put in a new lift and, and new tie rods and just, you know, wheel bearings, ball joints, really it's now it's becoming my Jeep and I'm participating in the build, even though I'm not doing all the wrench turning. Right. I was the one that had to lift up, do all the heavy lifting. Well, so. well Chip, I, I hate to tell you this and you, you may not be aware of this, but you really have a problem. Uh, not because you don't turn wrenches, because you buy so many, so many damn Jeeps. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got two CJ7s I'm working on, too, but those are long-term projects when I retire. Oh, man. I mean, what what a great – I need to see pictures of these things. That's amazing. Uh, I love it. Just go out there and buy another Jeep. I don't know where you'd be able to put them. Are, are you still on a farm? Is that where you're able to, to push these things in the barn someplace? Yeah, there's the 120 acres behind the house. I got lots more room for more Jeeps. Oh, man. It's like Jay Leno, uh, but uh, <laughs> no, I don't have <laughs> that Jeep. money though. These are all old stuff. Well, the, the, but the CJs are expensive, aren't they? Not the ones I'm buying. I'm buying ones that need repairs. I found a barn find. The guy had a an '84 that he'd blown the motor up back in the '90s, and he put it in a barn. Doesn't have any rust on it. So, from a Midwest perspective, <laughs> I'm in Illinois. Nice. Having no rust on a on a tub or a frame is incredible fine yeah so i picked that up and then i picked up a another jeep buddy had a a 4.2 and and a transmission and everything for it so i've got to get that dropped in probably by this fall i'll have that thing on the road oh just so. amazing see but I, see i don't think you have like three i'll have three or four thousand dollars in it and it'll be a pretty sweet cj oh that's nice now see you don't uh, this is my personal opinion is you don't need to be turning a lot of wrenches to be considered uh, built, not bought, or at least have the respect of another Jeeper because you got so many damn Jeeps. You know, this guy's got the same problem I do. <laughs> so we have to give him respect just from that standpoint alone. <laughs> uh, Isaac, let's, uh, let's jump over to you. Built to bought, where's your uh, line of determination? If you're picking out and deciding on what you want to do as far as modifications go, even if as not every like when I first got married, we were living in an apartment and I hated it, by the way. Um, you can't do anything really because the landlord right. doesn't want you working on your car in his parking lot. So in that instance, you know, you might not have the availability to do the work yourself. But if you're the one picking out, this is the lift kit I want. These are the sliders I want. These are the accessories that I want you're building the Jeep whether or not you're turning the wrenches or not. Okay, I, I can see that because uh, you're an involved person into, into the Jeep. Yes. You're, you're picking the things that you want to do. You're making that, uh, making that Jeep your own, which is one of the wonderful things about making modifications to a Jeep. Hey, Jerry, what do you think? Uh, Bill, Bot, where's your line? Well, I think it's uh, – I'm, I'm kind of the same as uh, everybody else in the group. and Everybody comes from a different background. They've got different resources, different – uh, abilities, you know, even different budgets. And uh, so for uh, somebody to just make the attempt, uh, you know, to try to understand the systems, picking out the parts, even if they're not in a position to bolt those on, I, I think that's, I think that qualifies for built in my book for sure. 
Have you made any modifications to your Jeep? Well, I've got a an 85 CJ7. Uh, I've got a 97 TJ, and I just picked up a 2015 uh, JKU Rubicon. So the the Rubicon is still stock, uh, but you know I've only had it for a couple months. The the other Jeeps, um, yeah, you know there's stuff bolted to them. I the CJ is most heavily modified with a fiberglass tub and. I've done some engine work and lockers and some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Did you do the lockers yourself or did you have them done? I, I did the lockers, but they're just uh, the lock right. You know, oh, okay. Lockers, uh, they're pretty easy. To they're not selectable. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the lockers is kind of where I draw the line. Uh, automatic transmission work and uh, anything having to do with the, the differential gears. It's uh, not something that I want to, I want to jump into. I'd like to know how to do it, but um being a daily driver, I kind of hate to have to go through several ring and pinions uh, to, before I got it right, uh, especially if I was uh, on the way and to with work. With that kind of stuff, you have to have the special tools. And yeah. How often are you going to do it? Right. Really. It would be a good thing to, to be taught uh, as well. So, Well, Tammy, Dan, Chris, uh, did, you, did, you, did you learn anything about Built Not Bought? I mean, what you, would you think about our, uh, our, our other folks around the campfire, Dan? Well, I think everybody's making some pretty good points. Uh, I personally, I land on the side that you should be the one doing the wrenching on it. Um, but I, I can understand the qualifiers that if it's built by somebody else, uh, but you've invested the effort in picking all the stuff, then sure. Uh, I just like to see it when it's the hard goods getting picked and not the just aesthetic things. I don't know if that qualifies as built. I just like the uh, like purple door handles or purple <laughs> shackles. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but if you're feeling convicted, yeah. <laughs> I just I just like the shared sickness personally. Uh, you know, if you're a, you're jeeper and you're making modifications, you, you you get it. You know, you have that same issue, right, Tammy? Uh huh. <laughs> well, Chris, what do you think? Did uh, what do you think about the folks' uh, opinion about built not bought around the fire? Hey, you know, I mean, uh, kind of like Dan said. Uh, you know, we get in this space where we want to see the the elbow grease, uh, but for some folks, the elbow grease may not be possible. So, um, if if like like Dan said, if they invest the time to pick out the parts and and figure out exactly what it is that they want to achieve with them, then by all means. Yeah, sometimes living I can see living in an apartment would make it really tough uh, to to work on the uh, to work on the vehicles. You have to do it out there at three o'clock in the morning. You know, whenever the landlord's not looking. <laughs> which would go for great i'm sure yeah you'd be the fan but you 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 definitely be the talk of the neighborhood for that's sure. right yeah well, fan i don't think would be the word um <laughs> well that's a great uh campfire side chat thank you a lot uh for uh for joining us uh tonight and you know you guys can too uh just join us in the uh, uh in a zoom conference call and all you have to do is just go over there and subscribe uh, or actually not subscribe just uh, follow the jeep talk show uh, facebook page and uh, we'll send out an announcement, uh, usually on uh, the recording night, which is Thursday. Uh, and uh, we uh, we usually open up the uh, the Zoom conference about nine forty five p.m. Central Time. Yeah, that's right, you uh, you kids and uh, doing all this stuff on a school night. But of course, fortunately, right now we don't have any school nights because there's no school the next day. At least not uh, not anyone you have to go to. All right, if you want to join in on the campfire side chat, just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Find out all the ways that you can reach out. And don't forget, go to the jeeptalkshow.com to see the latest events from around the nation and in your hometown.
And that's it for this show for this week, fellow Jeepers. Until next week, be sure to listen to at least one of the episodes in the Deep Jeep Talk Show catalog and then head over to the 4x4 podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, they've got 400 podcasts for 400 episodes here at the Jeep Talk Show. I think we're at 157-ish on the, Jeep Talk, on the 4x4 podcast. Uh, but as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep-only podcast. <laughs> If you want to listen to the most downloaded off-roading podcast, head over to the 4x4 podcast. On this day 80 years ago, a man officially was the first to put his peanut butter in her chocolate. Ooh. <laughs> oh, boy. Podcasting since 2010.